Good evening, Agent. The man in the photo is one with some justice. And recent intel has placed him as the host of his own birthday dub talk episode for Joker Game. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to listen to the episode to its conclusion. Be aware, there may be adult language in situations, so proper precautions should be taken. There are also major spoilers for Joker Game, so if you need to, watch the show before you listen. And as always, if Roots or any member of his DTP team expresses any opinion, Dub Talk will disavow any knowledge or involvement. This message will self-destruct in 2 hours and 25 minutes. Good luck, Agent. Listeners, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dub Talk, a show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. Today, we're doing something a little bit differently, because today happy it is our birthday I... to you. A week late. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. A week happy late. Happy birthday, dear I love you. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. <laughs> oh god, the stripper's been in that cake for a week. No. <laughs> I think she's dead. Did you guys remember to poke holes in the cake? I wasn't Whoops. in charge of that. I'm sorry. It was Andrew's it was Andrew's in charge and then he got uh, distracted by like ogre tits. God damn it. Uh, uh, oh. I love oh. this episode of Archer. <laughs> We're not getting our deposit back on that cake, guys. Or the uh, apartment. What do you mean, we? We're not getting Andrew's deposit back on that deposit cake. Back. <laughs> what do you mean, we? <laughs> but in any case... In any case, welcome to Dub Talk. I'm Roots of Justice, and today we're talking Joker game. Yay! Because it's my birthday and I wanna. There's no Mark Hamill in any of these episodes. <laughs> God damn it! I was play. I was promised Mark Hamill playing uh, Kingdom Hearts three in this anime, <laughs> and I got none of that. Your boyfriend lied to you, all right? Because <laughs> he's dying he's... in the back, just like did. a hooker in that cake. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. Oh God. Flowchart. But did did somebody say something? No. Are we gonna blame Andrew anyway? Yes. <laughs> well, that's we're off to a great start. Oh my god, he just sent me a message too. Fuck. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, uh, uh, roots take over while while I uh, get stuff to read the mail. And uh, in any case, uh, this is an episode I've really kind of wanted to do for the past two years. Uh, it's been in various stages of production here and there. And now we're finally doing it, because it's my birthday and I wanna. Yay! I've been wanting to do it too. I've been wanting to do this one too. I'm happy we're doing this one. It's a fun little show, and I got a little description for ya, courtesy of the Anime News Network. In 1937, before World War II begins in earnest, Lieutenant Colonel Yuki of the Imperial Japanese Army forms D-Agency, an army intelligence outfit under his command and tutelage. 
Army General Staff attaches Lieutenant Sakuma to observe the unit's performance. D Agency casts a wide net to find agents beyond Japanese military personnel, and Yuki establishes D Agency's tenets, which go against IJA doctrine. Don't kill, don't get killed, don't get captured. With this, Yuki trains a team of operatives who conduct missions against domestic and foreign powers. And somehow we just barely manage to slip by all the nasty things Japan did in World War II. Yeah. It's mostly, it seems like it's partially, like, it, some of it's, like, some of the stories for this, because this is more of an episodic series, honestly. Um, some of it seems to take place the in-between in wars. Yeah. Because um, the um, the narration at the beginning of each episode was saying, like, the year, the spring or the winter of, like, 1937 or 1939, so it's kind of at in-between point. Yeah. Right, this is probably around the time Japan would have been at war with Manchuria and Russia. And... Yep, I think so. So for those of you who use anime as a history book, we are after Golden Kamui, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you right. And sadly, the show has less food porn and dudes getting high off sea otter. Although it does have rocket abs. But it's got abs. more dudes. It does have rocket abs. It does have rather... Rather seductive voices. <laughs> and at one point, the Third Reich shows up. Yes. It's true. It's true. So, however, because the show is, you know, dubbed, we should uh, probably talk about the people who made this one happen, shouldn't we? Yeah. We probably should. It'd be a good idea. We can try. <laughs> we can try, and let's see how it goes. <laughs> Alright, so first off, we have our ADR staff, and our director for this round is none other than Joel McDonald, who you would know from the, his directorial jobs on such shows as One Piece, Assassination Classroom, Dead Man Wonderland, and a whole lot of Initial D. <laughs> so much Initial D. Including the fast. Including the Popco ref, pop, uh, the Pop Team Epic reference. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> He oh god, I forgot that was him. He didn't direct Thank that, you, by Chris the way. George. But that was great. Chris George, you beautiful bastard. And we have two scriptwriters for this show. Uh, first and foremost is Blair Rowan, who you would know from a couple episodes of Shiki, Blood Blockade Battlefront, Heavy Object, and Kato the Right Answer. And for episodes 3, 7, and I want to say 11, don't quote me on that, uh, we have Clayton Browning, who you would know later on doing such shows as uh, Gridman, Concrete Revolutio, Hanebod, and Kantai Collection. Um, I'm going to start things off with Amon. What did you think of the direction and script writing? Uh, I was very happy with the direction and script writing in this show. Um, this show feels like something that, in sort of in terms of like anime dubbing, feels a little bit challenging in the sense this is always, it's not super over the top for certain values of over the top. Uh, there's not a lot of like flashy yelling or anything. The whole sh the show's vibe is, if not strictly naturalistic, it's at least very grounded. Uh, this is not James Bond. It's more some you know post James Bond thing that's trying to be more realistic. It's a show uh, Michael Caine would have been in if it were British and made in the 70s, basically. Ooh, or something oh, like he that. totally would. He totally would, actually. It's like, Ooh, no, yeah. it's like, no, it's not posh people who are fancy. It's some guy from Yorkshire or some other 
horrible part of the Midlands that no one actually likes. Um, but I think they, even given that, I thought they did just a wonderful job of this. Uh, I thought, you know, the casting was very strong throughout. Uh, I liked a lot of the performances. Um, as we'll get to later, I'm, I had a little bit of problem this show. I wasn't very good at remembering which character was which exactly. I could tell, I could tell yeah. them apart. I could tell them apart if they were all in a room together, but a lot of times watching this, it was like, I Oh, you did is... better than I did. <laughs> It's like I know this. I know this character wasn't the lead in the last episode. He's not going to be the lead in the next episode. But I'm not really sure who he is right now. But I it, like I thought these were all well cast in the sense of like I could tell them apart while they were you know one at a time. They were distinctly cast. I thought everyone was well performed. I thought the actually I'm not going to comment on the accent work because frankly I'm not a good judge of how good accents are or aren't. But at least I didn't find any of them particularly. None of them seemed cheesy. It all seemed like, ah, yes, this is a German person. I find this convincing, and it does not bother me or drag me out of the story. Um, yeah, I thought this was just like very strong all around. This is like a like it was a you know it was a fun slightly actiony drama show, and I thought they made a really good dub to complement that. Uh, yeah, I was very happy. Okay, um, Steph, I'm gonna agree on a lot of points that Amon just said. Um. I love the heck out of the show. I really do. It's um, it's weird. Oddly enough, when I was in high school, when I, history was one of my favorite subjects, and for some reason, there were two t time periods where I was like a frequent expert on. I couldn't tell you jack shit anymore, though. Um, one was the Civil War. One, the other being World War Two. And considering this is around that period of time, this was my jam. <laughs> um, but. A lot of it, because I watched, um, because I felt, if I remember correctly, um, this show, it was among one of the early simul dubs under the Crunchyroll partnership, but it was also dubbed after the show itself completed, if I'm correct. So, I watched the show itself in Japanese first, so I already had a handle on what was going on, and then going into the English, I, I got a lot more enjoyment out of it. Because the script was pretty straightforward. It stuck pretty faithful with the original. Um, and the casting choices, a lot of it is actually really, really interesting. Because at that time, there were a decent chunk of actors that either weren't quite established yet or didn't have a role quite like this before. Quite yet. Um, some of them we'll probably get into in a few, in a little bit, but, um, I actually did like some of the accent work in the show. I'm not gonna lie. Whether or not it's <laughs> accurate or legit, I'm not gonna speak to that. Um, cause there's a lot of different accents in here. We have, we have French, there's German, uh, I don't even think there was Russian at any point, but, British. Um, there was British, you right. The one British character. Um, it's two British and, characters. Oh, I forgot there were two of them. My bad. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it's a really nice show. Very solid. Some people might not think it's downright amazing, but I think it's really solid. Cause especially with, um, with Joel as a director, because I didn't really pay attention to him directing until Assassination Classroom. <laughs> and then this came along. I'm like, wait, this is much more dramatic. <laughs> Hold on. But, um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, I also will, uh, would run into the same problem as probably everybody else where it's hard to tell these guys apart at times, which sucks. 
early on, I wrote down the names of, like, during, you know the scene early on where, um, in episode one where, um, Sakuma decides to play poker with the other guys? Oh, yeah, and he, they all, they're all fucking yeah. with him? They're all fucking with him. But, um, they, as, um, Colonel Yuki comes in and he starts talking to the, these guys, he lists them off by name. So I was like, okay, this one is this one, this one is this one, and I wrote them down, and they're actors. So I knew in the future which ones they were. But, uh, some of them, when I watched the dub initially, I picked up on really quickly. Some of them I didn't. And then some of them, I'm just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very solid. I think aside from the part where it's very difficult to tell these guys apart sometimes, it, it's really solid. I also have another problem. Megan knows this very well. <laughs> hmm? Um. Oh, everybody sounds way too hot. Everybody sounds fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, World I don't... War do me. <laughs> I don't know why, but they did. Like every single one sounded very, sounded very, very suave and charismatic, and sometimes I hope sexy none of, I times. hope you I'm don't like... cut that out, editor. I I want that one to stay, and Steph missed it. <laughs> no, I'm not editing this. <laughs> no, but did you tell? Please tell me you heard what I said. No. Steph, do you want them to World War do you? God damn it. <laughs> And oh, Andrew, oh. Oh. no, no, hold on, hold on. Ring, ring, hello, Satan, is that you? <laughs> no, 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 no. To answer your question, Andrew, I love you. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> 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 I won't lie. I, I was like full blown. Like what the uh, fuck? Ah, yes, yeah, she's so ascended. To, she's finally ascended onto the plane of Andrew and I. Horny on main. And it only took a cast of goddamn freaking Japanese spies for it to happen. What is going on with me? Oh my god. The spy I'm... who shagged Stephanie. Goddammit. No, but like, I think it's mostly because it's part Search of- your feelings, you know it to be true. It's true. It is true, but no, like, I think it part of it because the, these, these spies are trained in various fields and probably like- Seduction is one of them. So it's very convincing to me. Uh, to the obviously to the point where I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I think it's very solid. It's a very solid effort for sure. Um, not extraordinary, not perfect, but it is a very solid effort. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Why, yes, Satan. I'll go pick up the flowers for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Satan. You are so kind. It's actually pronounced Satine. <laughs> God damn it. Of course I'm sticking that joke in here. Yes, uh, you no, are. so here's my my both the both bane and boon of this of the stub to me is that I can't tell anybody apart. That's the point of the show. Woo! <laughs> That's the hard made, part. Made worse by something not Joel Clayton or um Blair did, but fuck you, Crunchy Rollin' Verb. Put the fucking English casts on there. Like, oh, I yeah. watched this exclusively streaming, and let me tell you, having watching a show and not knowing who anybody is, isn't it, unless you're, like, super attuned to their voices, is really trippy and not very fun. And here's the one thing I, that we're not talking about, like, a, a lot of these other characters. I want to talk about the strength of the one-off character ensemble in this show. Oh, absolutely. We're not talking about them. And there's one that's just bad because somebody can't do a British accent yet 
trying to contain my salt. Uh oh, here we go. I'm trying to contain my salt due to recent allegations, so. Mm, yep, okay. So I won't go there. But like to me, the two the two really big standouts are um I thought the the episode that takes place in Germany mm. well, you know, when the Third that's, Reich shows up. That's um <laughs> that's eleven. Oh, that's uh, Rico, right? Yeah, that's eleven. That's uh Rico, Ian, and uh Jeremy Schwartz. I think uh Jeremy Schwartz all did really good German accents that mm. I was like Bullshit! This is any of them except for Ian. <laughs> Why did Ian's guy kind of look like Stromheim from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? God damn it! He does. He looks like Stromheim. Wow. But like, um, the one time I did have a problem with the accents was in episode three, where I really? I actually legitimately needed subtitles to understand what people were saying because it was the, very the, very thick. The French one. Yes. Okay. Yes, the French one. <laughs> That one was that one was really thick for me, um, and then uh, like uh, okay, reasonable. Another another uh, good ensemble piece, which I think that was the the, the one time I actually went Jesus Christ show, because I actually stomached a lot of the show like really well. Was uh, the episode that takes place in Shanghai? Ooh, yeah, with oh, Chris Ryan as crazy oh, evil Chris shit. Ryan. Oh. That one. Uh, um, crazy okay. evil Chris Ryan and David Matranga, and I was just like, no, no, oh. no, it was David Wald, not Matranga. David Wald, sorry, David Wrong Wald, Dave. my Wrong bad, David. too many names. Uh, just the way that episode ended, just legitimately what made me go Jesus Christ show. Um, yeah, how how we how everything kind of like the Eva Mastermind that, reveal this planet that like, just what kind the of like fuck? all like went by really fast. Yeah. But the thing is that, like, there's a re- the show is a really good ensemble cast outside of the guys who are in the D agency, and I think that the writing on this show really helps make the show in English really understandable. Uh, even though I'm confused as to who the fuck is where, it's like, okay, you guys, everybody here has seen SpongeBob, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you know the part where Patrick comes back to his rock and there's like the bunch of eyes. And he's like, who are you people? <laughs> oh my god, that's, it's been forever. That's me watching the show. About. That's me watching the show because of the cast. And I think that Joel McDonald does a really good job getting actors that you don't expect a lot of times. Um, like, I, I, we're doing an episode on it, so I don't want to bring it up. But the first simuldub that Joel McDonald ever did also had a really interesting cast to it of actors who weren't super oh, established. Yeah. Or they I were or the people okay. who were super established, like kind of in this show, were more or less relegated to the episodic ensemble characters. Yep. But the core of the show, the heart of the show, was pretty much laid on three actors that you wouldn't expect to carry the show. And I feel like that is also with uh, the, the the nine guys of the D agency, but I've been kind of rambling on, and I don't want to take any of my boyfriend's points. So, uh, uh, roots. Uh, I don't want to do the joke that's between us from slime because, like, <laughs> even though it's adorable. Okay. Yeah, I um, I thought the direction was really solid. As far as the accents went, um, they. They felt like they, I felt like by and large they fit with the, uh, the French episode, it, it was kind of a little too hard to understand everything, but you know, 
given that we're looking at the perspective of a quote-unquote Japanese transfer student, I, I kind of let that slide because, like, there'd be a little bit mis... <clears throat> yeah, there'd be a little loss in translation, even... Even among, like, somebody tr specifically trained in French for the purpose of espionage. I thought the writing was really, really solid, especially for a simuldub era show. Yeah. Was the show simuldubbed? It, it was. Kind it, of. Kind of. It was simuldubbed, but um, like I was saying before, the show actually, if I'm right, um, the show aired entirely first in Japanese, and then when the uh, Crunchyroll partnership came up, because this, I think, was... Um, what was it? Spring or summer? Was and, it? Yeah, it was. A, it yeah, was yeah. spring, it was and, spring then and then it was in dubbed the in the fall. That's what it was. It was. Yeah, absolutely. It I was... thought this was a home video release, one hundred percent. No, this was. A, this is a simul dub. It's one of the early ones from the Crunchyroll partnership. Did you I not pay attention yeah, was... to what I just said? <laughs> I played. The it was fifth. one of those ones with like um, Alderama and ninety-one days yes. and all oh, that. Oh, it was one okay. of those. First... See, here's the thing. It kind of faded into that season because that was I think like the same season that we got like Yuri on Ice and like Token Robin yeah. Wanamaru. So if I remember it was it wasn't even really like a big one from the initial announcement for the partnership anyway because that was um 91 Days Orange and I think Mob Psycho was among the first ones that, that was the big push if I remember right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like I'm very I, I, I I'm gonna shut the fuck up now. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Fuck the shut up. Like, it was a really surprisingly heavy season. But in any case, uh, this this was, as far as I know, scripted and directed in the style of a simuldub. It would be really interesting to get some perspective on how Funimation handled the shows that were, that had already aired in Japan. And they basically had everything in front of them and ready to go. And... Like, that'd be really interesting to hear about it, like a panel or something. Wink, wink. And, um, as Megan was saying, the ensemble cast is incredibly strong. Like, Patrick Seitz in the first two episodes as the, uh, American businessman who's Weeaboo hiding man. secrets. <laughs> That's Patrick his new Seitz, name, Weeaboo, Weeaboo Man! man. <laughs> Weeaboo Man! <laughs> Where he's basically goading uh, Lieutenant Sakuma into committing Harakiri for intruding on his home, and ah, uh, that that whole sequence that, is really good. And that evil grin, oh my god! Y'all were looking at the evil grin. I was looking at Sakuma's abs, in which I could wash clothes on. <laughs> he's a good washboard, that's for sure. It's like uh, it's like Karasuma from Assassination Classroom yes, all over again. It is. Oh my god! The funny. Oh my god! The funniest part is it's. Oh no! Oh, can I just say the joke now? It's a. Can I? Can I? Can I? You go? may. It's another Chris. That's the funniest part. <laughs> There's a lot of Chris's. So which one is it? Find out next time on Dub Talk. <laughs> or find out in like ten minutes. Well. Insert Eric Andres will be right back. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I gotta say, for a for an episodic format show and one that is particularly dry in terms of content, 
there was a lot of snap and banner between characters. Like, there's a lot of sarcasm, there's a lot of... Like, serious interrogation, it's... Like, it's great, there's a lot of character interactions and... A bunch of actors chewing scenery that you don't really get a chance to see really do that very much. Even in, like, the shows that they're given, even now. So, good on everybody, on the crew, on the, <clears throat> on the more or less, I don't want to say secondary cast, but you know what I mean there. <laughs> uh, so moving on to our first batch of characters, we have Lieutenant Sakuma. Welcome back, who... boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> you are about to find out the answer. That's whack. <laughs> Please don't sue me, Hannibal Burris. Lieutenant Sakuma is hired as a liaison between the military and D-Agency. And basically, the way I saw it, he's basically being attempted to be used as a whipping boy. Where if that's a something goes... That's a pretty straightforward <laughs> description. If, some, if D-Agency screws up, he'd be the one on the chopping block. And, like... There is a lot of suspicion between him and the military, and then him and D-Agency trying to find his place. And his episode focuses on the first and second episodes, where they infiltrate uh, Patrick Seitz's home in order to find incriminating evidence that he has been stealing military secrets. And the second character in this section is... Uh, he goes by the codename Hatano, and in his episode, episode 3, he goes under the alias uh, Ryosuke Shimano. He is sent to infiltrate France to gather information on the resistance, but he is hit on the head by a German soldier's rifle and gains amnesia. The episode is him attempting to regain his memories and escaping France with a couple members of the resistance. Things don't go very well, though. Mm -mm. You know, as you do. <sighs> Viva la resistance! <laughs> I love uh, this episode so... of South Park. <laughs> so Lieutenant Sakuma is played by Christopher Waycamp. <laughs> who you would know as Miles Edgeworth from the anime version of Ace Attorney. He is Shota Eraserhead Aizawa in the second and third seasons of My Hero Academia. He is uh, Vilbal Koenig in Saga of Tanya the Evil. And he's Susumu Kodai in Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2202. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hatano is played by Dallas Reed. And you would know him. He has done a lot since Joker game. Like a lot of big name stuff. So stand by here. Yeah, he. I think Dallas is definitely one of the ones where he was slowly being established at that point. All he had been mm. in was one, two really shitty white novel comedies. Yeah, like that and maybe one other thing at the time. I, um, what the fuck was it? It was the first episode. Yeah, show that's me, it. The first, show me first episode I was on. Yeah, the first episode where he, where <laughs> Alan's like, I'm, I'm, I'll volunteer for this. That's a horrible mistake. <laughs> uh, and now he's here forever. It could be worse. Your first episode could have been First Love Monster. Oof. He, at least he didn't do first. Yeah, I can't stuff. argue with that. <laughs> but uh, 
he's been Zack in Angels of Death. He's been Asta in Black Clover. He's been Yusaka, uh, Yusaku Suwa in All Out. And Yamato no Kami Yasusada in Yes, Kikunama I taught Hanamaru. you how to say it right! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a proud girlfriend. And his girlfriend. <laughs> I'm is a very happy. proud girlfriend right now. I'm so I proud that you, you I did, did it this time. And Megan just I love you. And Megan just splooshed everywhere. <laughs> oh my god, no, you fucking garbage woman! <laughs> Look here, I'm allowed to dunk on you sometimes. Well, I, I never. <laughs> <laughs> you love me, bitch. <laughs> well, this episode took a turn. <laughs> when I, I want to be, let me be proud of him, bitch. <laughs> did it. Amon, could you tell us how you felt about our first two spies? When Steph dunks Certainly. on people, it just comes out of nowhere and it hits hard. Shot through the heart. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna let Amon do his take. Alright. Uh, I enjoyed both of these performances quite a bit. Um, uh, Gris was not quite fun as Sakuma, because uh, he's like a hard-ass military dude who takes everything deathly seriously and thinks espionage is for like cowards and weaklings, uh, which does not endear him very well to, to uh, D-Link, D D-Company, what are they called? The agency. The agency, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't endear him much to the other spies. Uh, but, you know, at the end, they, they, they got his back a little bit. They're, they're kind of happy to let him, you know, twist in the wind a little bit, but uh, they'll, they'll help him out when uh, push comes to shove. Uh, but I thought Chris did a good job with that. He got a lot of, um, he got a lot of, like, kind of that sternness and rigidness. You could, you could even tell just from the performances between him and the other actors that, like, oh, this, this is definitely a character who, like, comes from a much more like rigid structured background in terms of like you know his origin his profession his own just day-to-day -day existence um, i thought they sold that very well in his performance but and i also like that you know they did show that the if not softer side at least kind of lighter side where like after he doesn't have to open up his guts in some guy's garden he's like all right i like you guys you're okay you you clearly know what you're doing i'm i'm okay backing you um, so yeah, no, like I, I, I enjoyed that performance, even though he's, he's sadly not in much of the show, uh, cause I think he, does he show up again after the first two episodes? No, he, he doesn't. Think, he, I think he shows up like maybe once, but yeah, no. it's probably like for like a line or two, maybe. No, no, maybe. no. He doesn't show up at all. Okay. Uh -oh. He's, oh, he's, he's there for two episodes. Everyone looks the same. He, I think out of all the D-Agency members, he's the only one who doesn't show up again yeah because i think like the last episode is probably chronologically the first uh i see as that well. makes sense no i don't think so because um so and so's character also shows up in the first two episodes the person who's main folk who's the main focus on episode 12 i think uh, i don't know it's it's hard to say <laughs> oh true C considering yeah. how that episode ended it's hard to say but yes sakuma does not show up again yeah, well, that's a shame because I, I enjoyed Chris's performance a lot. He was Sakuma found dead in Miami. <laughs> when, with Nico and the Ike in the first step of Ike incarnation, and whatever we said was dead, found dead in Surrey Tom, the Surrey Tom episode. Ah, yes. <sighs> where was I? Dallas Reed. That's where I was. Uh, I also like Dallas. Um, 
Uh, I, I cannot, uh, Dallas, obviously, he's France, uh, speaking, you know, he's supposed to be speaking French, he has a French accent, like I said earlier, I'm not a particularly good judge of accents as far as accuracy goes, but, um, I, I thought he did an admirable job with that, I, you know, I wasn't bothered, I wasn't pulled out by it, he was definitely, like, I, he, I thought he was, like, acting shown through, uh, and it was fun watching him play this character who's like, I know I know something, but I don't know what, why do I know these things, oh well. I don't want to get captured by the Germans, so I guess I'll throw in with these people for the time being until I can figure out what's going on. Um, and he was just he was just a lot of fun in that regard. It was fun kind of seeing those two sides. You get a little bit of kind of the his actual personality and a little bit of the sort of unintended cover he falls into when he's like wandering around having amnesia. Side note, I like how even though the show is relatively serious it still finds time to be like hey let's hit someone on the head and have them not remember who they are for an episode that'll be fun because amnesia is fun boys and girls exactly um but yeah no, i i i enjoyed his performance he he kind of he, he, he sold me both as being like an actual spy and also being like some random ass student who got in over his head and i and i thought he played those both sides of that very well um so yeah no, like in total like i enjoyed both of these performances i thought they were quite good Okay, uh, Steph? Okay. Um, where do I start? Speak your words, Betrayal Witch. <laughs> Look, I had my moment where you could dunk on me, and now I'm give. Uh, now I had to have a moment where I can dunk on you. It's up. It's fine. You, 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 you dunk on me more uh, more times than I dunk on you anyway, so. I have to have the occasional good ones, alright? Um, so, I, I don't even know where to start. Um... I'm realizing Which some one of, of them would you fuck first? I'm realizing some of the stupid notes that I wrote down. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Do you prefer them hefty or twinky, stuff? <laughs> See, this is what I mean by she dunks on me more than I dunk on her. Um, I'm gonna start with Dallas. Uh, let's see. Um... I, what I find very interesting with Dallas's character is it seems, there's definitely two sides, um, I'm mainly focusing on episode three here, there are two sides for him that he does have to portray, you have, you have that, uh, exchange student person who's like, I don't know what's going on, like, I'm surprised by everything, what's going on, I don't remember anything, and then what's really great, and what comes out quite a bit, is the inner voice that he has it's like don't tell anything don't say anything don't give it away to the enemy like all this stuff and it's like can be like kind of dark and menacing when he goes into those little moments it's really actually really good um it's and <laughs> here's the stupid fucking note that i wrote Despite it being a thick accent, this is the exact words I wrote and why I was laughing so hard. Dallas with a French accent, sign me up. <laughs> okay, Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning into Gigi tonight. What is this? No, but... Steph, um. Steph, Steph can I make a recommendation? What? Ne next time you're in on the internet, uh, don't look up any photos of Tashira Mifune wearing a nice suit when he was young. Your head may explode. Because this, this is so, I'm so, this is sounding like a type forming. I'm gonna be honest here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoops. <laughs> but um. Also, don't look up any photos of Mads Mikkelsen. I might do the same thing. 
Look here, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, everyone wants Mad, Mc Mad Mickelson. That's yeah. true. Now that, anyway. that would have interrupted your point, go on. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for that. No, um... No, I mean, um... I, I think what surprised me most about Dallas's performance is because of the fact that he wasn't established at that really established at that point in time. Um, so he was in the more comedic, dopey kind of stuff at that point at that point. And then all of a sudden, serious role. I'm like, whoa, holy crap. Like that was the point when I first watched the show where I was like, oh, this guy is is an actor. like he's good. <laughs> like he he actually has some. Ta he has talent in there like he can go very far with this and um which is something i can really appreciate and going back and visiting this show again um i completely forgot that dallas did a french accent a rather thick french accent um and i th i think it worked really well again as someone who doesn't speak french fluently i wouldn't know if it's accurate but um i think it works really well i enjoyed the performance a lot for that episode and the duality that he has to play with the amnesia ridden kid versus the spy who, who's just like nah man don't 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 say nothing <laughs> uh as for chris chris and the sakuma's goddamn abs that megan loves so so much <laughs> um they're very nice abs <laughs> the Strangely enough, this is the first role that I ever heard, I think, him in, that I really noticed him, strangely enough, because I didn't see Laughing Under the Clouds, um, but he, Sakuma's portrayal, because we get a little bit more time with Sakuma um, compared to everybody else in the show, um, Sakuma has, like, a naive view of the world, um, that it kind of, and it kind of slowly as those two episodes progress, it kind of becomes more widespread. As he kind of just like how Roots was describing his character, he understands the agency, he understands their purpose, what they're doing, and he's like actually starts to support them. And it's a really good transition for him for his, for um, Sakuma's character. And of course, since Sakuma is military, uh, Wakeham does have a militaristic persona to him uh, that makes it that's just really noble and full of honor and like these men are cowards what they're doing is very cowardly like blah da, blah da, blah but again as like we progress in the story we learn more about the agency through because i think sakuma is more like our surrogate to kind of get an, uh, an exposition and a brief idea of what the show is going to be and how the agency operates so, as that surrogate in particular, I think he does very well. And it's very interesting to see that his character transition in those two episodes. It's just kind of sad because I, I... Going into the show, way back at when, I thought Sakuma was going to be the lead character. And a lot of the key art made it look like he was going to be the lead character, but he's not. <laughs> Which is a very huge mis misdirection on Japan's part for advertising sitting like that. But, um... Overall, like, I, I do wish that Sakuma had more of a role in the show, but considering what we got, I, I enjoyed Chris's performance very, very much. Um, and it was, for me at least, a really good introduction into such a fantastic actor. I'm done. Alright, uh, Megan? <clears throat> I, for one, would like to worship at the Church of, so Church of Sakuma's Abs. 
<laughs> Why am I not surprised? <sighs> I'm sorry, he's like... I, I, I'm, like, sitting there watching the first episode, and I was like, oh, okay, the second episode opens with him just, like, in the yard, on his knees, jacket open, I'm like, uh, okay, uh, hello. <laughs> and then you realize what my main problem is. <laughs> I actually never had that problem the entire Why show. Why is it me? <laughs> Why? Because I've become immune thanks to Token Rambo. God damn it. <laughs> I've gained immunity. God. Everybody, ha everyone has the one show, and clearly Joker Game is me. Have we ever actually found the one show for me where I think everybody sounds really attractive? It's not Token Rambo. <laughs> it's not because half of them play children. Oh, you're right. I don't think we. Oh, I don't know. We have to. In the worst of the fairy tale bloopers, I'm not 18. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to find that. Now it's our new life school, figuring out Megan's. We're just gonna. Apparently, like, okay, like, weird side tangent. Apparently, Jet is, like, super surprised I've never watched Psychopath before. Wait, what? Yeah, I've never seen Psychopaths. What is wrong with you? And he's like, Megan, I'm really surprised you've never watched Psychopaths. Shoko Makashima was made for you. Yeah. <laughs> Mak oh, God, Makashima. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, Makashima. Oh, no. They're like, Megan, you would be really thirsty for Makashima. You would. And then I was talking to Andrew about that. He's like, no, you wouldn't. You'd be hot for Josh's character. Mm. I can see both then, Like, it is It is very much a boot show. It is. Apparently, like, apparently, like the goal of Dub Talk is to get Megan to sit through both K-Project and Psychopaths and out to see which one I'd fuck. I want to. Um. Oh, my God. Can we do a Psychopath episode, please? I'll be the test dummy for Psychopaths. I'll, anyway, I'll back to my it. point. I'm gonna do it, man. Speaking of Psychopaths, that has Alex Organ in it. Know who voice matches for Alex Organ? Christopher Wakeham. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Uh, no, I, I enjoy Christopher Wakeham as Sakamo. I think this is one of those characters, like, I instantly- He's actually one of the people I knew who he was. I was like, yep, that's Chris Wakeham. I'm like, that is, that is somewhere between uh, Aizawa and Tenka. So I know who that is. And I liked it. I liked how he was the very cynical one. I like when he gets upset about being in the Joker game. And he's talking to Redacted, and he's like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, come on, bro, it's just a game. He's like, no, you were awful people! I mean, wouldn't you be mad, too, if they were Yes, I would. And then Bill- and then- and then Yuki comes in, and he's like, stop being a little bitch. <laughs> These are Yuki. my terms, not the terms of the Yuki show. Yuki is my favorite fucking character. I'm sorry, he is. Yuki, Yuki is far too old for any of this shit. <laughs> he's far yeah. too old. He needs to fucking retire. He's done with your bullshit. He's, he's the, uh... Have you guys ever seen the really bad fan subs of the... I think the second Code Geass season 2 opening? No. Just Lieutenant Yuki's face where it says, Not this shit again. <laughs> <laughs> For, like, the five people who get that reference. <laughs> I do. Oh, my God. I, I genuinely enjoyed Christopher Wakecamp as Yuki. I'm, I'm also really mad that he didn't show up in the show again, because I would have much preferred to have him come back in, because I liked his voice. Uh, I That's bullshit. That's not Dallas Reed. <laughs> I refuse to accept that that's Dallas that, Reed. Hello, Dallas I had Reed. no idea. I, I literally, I think I got through, like, five episodes, and I had to ask. I'm like, so who is in episode three? Was that... Redacted? Like, no, Megan, that was Dallas. I'm like, you're a liar. <laughs> you, you. And the thing is, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is, like, even when he's in 
interesting. It's it's a lot in the same range as Yasusada, but it's Yasusada with a really thick accent to me. But it's really good. And I was super surprised because um, you only kind of really see him with like the schoolboy, mostly the schoolboy perf- persona. And at the very end, like him coming to terms with the fact that he's going to have to leave France. And it's very like a very subdued monologue where you don't hear any like super inflection in his emotionality. But I feel like in episode 12, he was kind of a little dick bag. I mean, that's kind of the point. <laughs> He was oh, a little they're, bit of a dick bag. They're all kind of dick bags in their own way. <laughs> yeah, they're all kind of assholes, except for uh, the guy in episode uh, t- episode twelve. <laughs> you right? But um, no, I, I genuinely enjoyed uh, Dallas as uh, what's his? I'm gonna just call him John Valjean. Hotano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know what? Sure, fine. Fuck it. We'll call him Hotano. Whatever. That's the. I don't know. Okay, look. I don't. I don't. I can't tell anybody apart. I'm not kidding you guys. I really can't tell anybody apart. It's like, it's like when we did the Yamato episode and and Amon had to make me a Google Drive like character cheat sheet. (laughs) I forgot that that bad for you guys. There's also like a a 17 page one for Token Rambu that we have just kicking around somewhere. It's true. Too many boys. That's just, that's literally just called, so you want to get into Token Rambu, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but no, that, those are my points. Uh, please take over, honey. <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing is about setting up like a PDF for this show is it wouldn't work because all of the characters change their appearance between episodes. Oh my God, conceal- the most jarring one is going to, oh, is he, are we talking about him next? We are, aren't like, we? Oh yo! Oh, the next one. Oh yeah, be a I know bitch. that uh, Dallas put. They, I think, what was it like the, the the part where I think I think the three French people are Morgan Garrett, Brandon McGinnis, and Tatum. Yes. Yeah. And they're explaining how he changed his appearance, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like cosmetic lenses, he stuffed cotton into his mouth to make his face look rounder. Like it's it, it's all this clever little stuff, but like if. If I were to have done, like, an entire PDF, I would have had to... The picture of the character on for, like, episode one and two, and then the episode they show up. That would have been fun. But anyway, uh, let's start with Dallas Reed's Hatano. I really like the fact that he's sort of... Like, he, his outer voice is basically the French accent throughout the entire episode, even in the... Uh, even in his opening monologue at the very beginning of the opening credits. Yeah, I forgot that was a thing. He does he does use the accent during the opening narration, I forgot. But then, in all of the moments of uh, where it's his subconscious speaking to him to basically bringing his training back up to the surface, like, it's all, like, regular... It's, it's all his regular speaking voice, and I, I thought that was, like, a really clever touch. Basically reconnecting him to his training at the agency. I, I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. And uh, Chris Waycamp's Lieutenant Sakuma, I really like the sort of naivete he shows at the very beginning of episode one. Actually, pretty much throughout until he basically gets played to the point he's forced to commit Harakiri in this guy's garden. And then he realizes, oh, 
I'm just gonna play the military officer supervising me back and does a bunch of stuff that an MP wouldn't necessarily think of. Uh, military police officer. Sorry, I should have explained the MP ac acronym. But, um, like, searching behind the photo of the Emperor in the guy's house, because that's not something a military police officer would think to look. But he gets really clever, and then he does a few things at the end of the episode to show up his, uh, his superior officer, who throws this huge hissy fit at the end of episode two. That was just absolutely satisfying. Motherfucker got what he deserved. The guy is just a greasy shit weasel oh. the entire episode, and it's just the most satisfying thing watching him lose his shit. Uh, both, both performances were just really great, and... Like... Chris Waycamp gives Sakuma a really nice sense of duty and honor to him. Even though he's pretty much got to shed that by the end. And Dallas Reed also did a really good did a really good job. Even though, you know, the accent works maybe a hair on the heavy side. But they are sort of going for a more sense of realism. So I'm, I'm not going to take, like, very many points off for that. So Dallas, Chris... You both did great. Thumbs up. Okay, so moving on, we have uh, we have Agent Fukumoto from episode four. This is the episode in Shanghai with um, with two military police personnel oh, investigating boy. a series of bombings. This one. <sighs> and then the episode that literally ends in Jesus Christ show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes under the alias Hajime, Sh Hajime Shizuka, or Shozuka, sorry. And, um, he's basically a reporter for a skeevy newspaper who's feeding the under- the underling of the MP guy information that basically leads to the- the, uh, the MP superior basically responsible for a lot of not great stuff. Mm -hmm. just yeah, and say. then it also gets into a part that's actually like one of the other parts that like genuinely made me uncomfortable about the and show. by and by a, not a lot of great stuff. I mean, um, drug trafficking, uh, human trafficking, human trafficking, uh, bombing his own fucking place and killing people in the process. He's not a nice man. Yeah. No, no, like Chris, not... Chris Ryan's like, Chris Ryan's like, come at me, bro. What are you gonna do? Shoot me? <laughs> oh, God. Hey, what are you gonna do? Him. Shoot me. Last words of man who was shot. <laughs> and then, uh, next up we have, uh, Agent Kaminaga, who goes under the name, uh, Kasuto Izawa. He was stationed in London. He got himself captured. The slut! <laughs> and basically, like attempts in any way, shape, or form to get out of the facility he is trapped in before he gives too much information away to the people trying to interrogate him. Uh, so, Fukumoto is played by a name... <laughs> Fukumoto is played by a man named Jared Warren. He really doesn't have a lot of anime credits to his name, just a few characters in One Piece. 
Uh, Kaminaga is played by Dave Trosko, however. Uh, you would know him as President Mike in the second and third seasons of My Hero Academia. He's Georgie Popovich in Yuri on Ice. <laughs> Gurney... Evanescence <laughs> on Ice. <laughs> uh, Gurney Ginose in Sarah for the End. And Ronaldo in 91 Days. So, Amon, why don't you start us off? Uh, I thought these are both another strong pair of performances. Um, I thought Jared was a lot of fun. I thought he did a good job playing this kind of slightly morally unclear reporter dude. Like, he's, he, I feel like he spent a lot of the episode kind of wondering what's his angle, partially because like you're not in, you're not in his head for most of the episode. You're in the head of this. Um, you know, military police guy who's doing this investigation and just going slowly more horrified as he just learns more and more things that he did not want to find out about certain people. Um, but he was, he was a lot of fun, just kind of, you know, egging him on and giving these little tidbits of information and sort of, you know, just sort of poking him in the right direction without trying to be too obvious about it. Uh, I, 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 like, I'm also not super familiar with, uh, Jared's other work, but I thought he, he did a wonderful job in, in that regard. Uh, in that respect, I uh, he was a lot of fun. He's another like. There's a lot of actors in here who I kind of wish I had more opportunities to show off. And given that, uh, unlike some of the other ones, I haven't heard. I haven't heard Jared as much. I, I would appreciate hearing him. Uh, I would have liked to hear him more, just because I thought he was fun in that role. Uh, but I really like Dave's performance. I thought he he was he was really great in that episode. I, I think that's that's. I think that might be one of my. I don't know it's some of my favorite, but I, that was definitely one of the highlight episodes for me, I thought. Uh, I just thought it was this nice little weird like mystery bit where he's just stuck in this build. It's Die Hard with fewer guns, and I can appreciate that. But it is. He has to you're escape the building. Wrong. That's the plot of Die Hard. Oh my god, you're not wrong. Shit. Um, I have a machine gun. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Does this make oh Joker God. game a Christmas anime? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, we are recording this in the middle of winter, so... It is snowing outside, so... For you, it well, is. Not for me, it I'm is safe. Snowing. You chose to live down there. Yeah, it's currently snowing outside. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, he, I just thought he did a wonderful job playing... I, mean, I kind of play this character who alternatively seems very broken down but then turns out that's just an act and he's actually like been plotting how to get out of here the entire time and you know and, and you know he tries to enact his plan and it turns out that his information was flawed and he has to think on the fly and he he just does, he does a wonderful job like just embodying this character um you know, especially because like you know obviously there are there are other characters in this particular episode but everything's such from his point of view that he i feel he does, has to do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as making the episode work and I, I, he was just a lot of fun to listen to, and he was—he he did his inner monologues very well, which I feel like in this show is very important because there is a fair amount that's just kind of the, uh, you know, the lead character kind of talking to you, the audience are talking to themselves. And I think he was also—he was just very strong on that aspect as well. Uh, yeah, he was a lot of fun. I think that is part of the reason why I ended up enjoying that episode so much. He was very good, and I'm done. All right, um, step. Um. I'm going to start with Jared, too, because this is one of the few times where I didn't know which character he was or which one it was during the episode. But that's probably also because cause a lot at this point, it's been because it's been a few years and I've obviously like learned some of these actors ranges by this point. Um, 
Jared's is one I'm obviously not familiar with because he hasn't done a lot. But, um, it, it, it just kind of makes it hard to judge the performance because he doesn't actually do a lot. The main character in that episode really is David Walt. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's that's the drawback, and which kind of sucks because from what I heard of Jared, I really enjoyed it. I just really wish he got to do more. Like, I would have loved to see more of like the skeevy newspaper reporter and all this fun stuff that he was doing and investigating. I would have loved it. But um, for what it is and for what we got, I did, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, as for Dave Trosco, um, Dave is really interesting because his character is really the only one, or one of the only ones, I should say. Um, there's another one who kind of gets, goes through something, but, um, this is the only character that actually, like, gets tortured. (laughs) Like, and interrogated for shit, basically. And so... The tough thing for Dave is that he has to stay cool under pressure. And what's great is he, um, throughout the episode, he retains his cunning and his integrity. Uh, in terms of, like, keeping his cool, trying not to reveal too many secrets. And he's, and also, like, at the same time, like, pretending to play into the British's hands. It's... It's very, it's a very fun and compelling episode because he's just always keeping an eye out on things like what's the best escape room? What if I did this, or X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C? But he still remains cool under pressure despite all the stuff he's going through, and I really enjoy that episode a lot because it just, I think it shows a good amount of Dave's range in that performance, that one episode, and how he can really be he can really be a solid dramatic actor if he really wants to be so i enjoyed both of these performances again the downside is because i'm not familiar with jared warren's range um he's the he's the one i couldn't pick up on really but it's also the downside of hey so this character only has like two like two scenes in this entire episode and then we never deal with him again (laughs) so it's it, it's a crapshoot, unfortunately, with in that one. But um, I did enjoy Dave Trosco quite a bit and the storyline that he got to go through. It was a lot of fun to me. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess I'm going to get Jared out, of, Jared out of the way first. Uh, you did good, guy. You did good. <laughs> uh, again, like the real stars of that episode were David Wald and Chris Ryan. Holy shit, Chris Ryan. <laughs> We didn't know you could play psychopath. Uh, but Dave... Now that... That I could talk about. Uh, so I like to call Dave's character codenamed Slut. Um, because I think one of the things that they catch him on is him being like, Hey, baby, did you know I'm a spy? No, no, that's supposed to be Lieutenant Yuki, I think. Oh, is it? Am I am I right? Like someone sold him out, and I think it was was that what that audio was supposed uh, to be. Ooh. It's been like a week since I've seen this episode. Whatever. I, anyway, Dave. Point. <laughs> uh, I I love getting to hear Dave Trosco in shows because uh, a lot of times when you get to hear Dave Trosco and stuff, it's uh like present Mike and and Gurren. Uh, so. When you get to hear him play younger characters, I was like, oh, okay, I know who this reminds me of, but he's just a lot more sleazier than that character. 
but I can't say who it is because Steph hasn't watched the show yet. Um, <laughs> whoops. Yet we're fixing that within the next coming months. I know um, we are. So I I genuinely enjoyed getting to hear this, and I thought Dave Dave Trosko is probably one of my favorite performances in the show, especially when he's like, "Haha, I'm free, I'm free." Oh shit. Um. <laughs> I can break these cuffs. <laughs> you can't break those cuffs. I can get out of here. I can break these cuffs. I can free myself. I will hide in this if attic. If I can see it, then I can do it. I believe I can spy. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> All right, Seal, sit down. Seal! Wait, no, was that? No, 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 no one's been, no one's getting kissed by a rose in this episode. Um, <laughs> that's Seal. Um, so but I'm, no, I'm, I, I was like, wait, it's, no, it's, that's wrong. I get it, I get it. I'm not saying who it is for reasons, okay. but, um, but no, uh, I, I genuinely like Dave Trosko. Uh, he's another character I wish would have showed up, like, more often. I wish they would have given him a two-parter. Like, cause I thought Dave was, Dave was great. I wish he just did more. That's like a lot of the spy characters. Like, I wish you were in this show more. Why wasn't this like a twenty-four episode show with a plot? Yeah, where's our season um, two? God damn it! Two. That would solve all <laughs> of these problems. That would be the answer, except to for everything. the guy in episode eleven. <laughs> except for the guy in episode eleven. Yeah, uh, anyway, <laughs> roots, go ahead. All right. Um, can't really say much about Jared Warren. He did play the greasy news reporter really, really well. Kind of hope he ends up in more stuff down the pipe. But, um, Dave Trosco, I I like that he was sort of the, the schmoozy barfly until he ended up getting caught and, like, then the interior monologue rebooting his training kicks in and, like, he's running about the facility. Oh, God. I... Oh god, I'm dealing with a British spymaster. None of this is actually true. The the layout of the building I've seen, the clues laid out. He knew this from the beginning. Like I thought I thought that was a really good cat and mouse game throughout the episode. It was really fun. And Dave Trosco did a really good job kind of playing that cornered rat character really well. So Kudos on the both of you. Did a really good job. Unfortunately, like, for both characters, it was kind of a situation where just not a lot to talk about either, and I really wish they had more to do. But, you know, it is what it is. Performances were good nonetheless. Uh, so moving on, we have Agent Tazaki, and I don't think he actually got an alias in the show. No, but, I, don't, um, I don't think he did. And if he did, he never—it was never mentioned in the episode. Right. Uh, his job was basically to relay a message to fellow operatives down a rail line, and he basically had to grab a newspaper off of somebody else that had an encoded message on it. And he enlisted three little kids to help him. Start them while they're young, boys and girls. <laughs> That's right, espionage. I love spy kids. <laughs> God damn. Espionage, fun on trains. 
And then we have uh, Amari, who is uh, who goes under the alias Utsumi Asano. Uh, he is on a cruise ship in the Pacific, trying to uh, prevent a notorious British codebreaker from entering Japanese shores. Guy ends up dead, and he has to basically he basically has to solve the murder so as to not reveal the fact that he is a spy. Which is, you know, fun maritime activities, ladies and gentlemen. When you're on a vac- when you're on your vacation or trip to Hawaii, to Honolulu, Hawaii, boys and girls, murder is the greatest pastime. Man, these cruise excursions are getting weirder every day. I know, right? <laughs> they had the right idea back then. <laughs> Man, sometimes you just go a little too ham at the open bar. <laughs> oh no. Sign out on the rocks. Roots, aren't you glad that the those two ladies are here today? <laughs> We're cracking all the stupid <laughs> jokes for your birthday. Happy birthday, man. Hey. Please ignore the smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. Uh, but in any case, uh, Tazuki is played by Alejandro Saab. You would know Alejandro Saab as uh, Kai Musashikai in Anime Gatari's. Uh, Gakuto Kase in Gamers, Junya Nokajo in Hioka, and Uno in Nambaka. Uh, Amori is played by Brad Hawkins. You would know him as Tiki Mick in The Gray Man, uh, Shikui Makabe in My Hero Academia, Nicholas C. Wolfwood in Trigun Badlands Rumble, Kotaro Tsukinaka in All Out. And he also got to play Buckethead for a little while, because <laughs> in order to play Goblin Slayer. Yeah! Go, go, Goblin Slayer! Go, go, Buckethead! There you go, editor. I slipped in a segue for you yeah! to get that picture in there. I'm on Cackles Evilly in the corner. Honey, I love you. By the way, it's not Tiki Mick, it's Tiki Miki. Tiki Miki. Okay. Because the gray man makes a whole none of sense. <laughs> Welcome I to see. Gray man. <laughs> look, I don't even like. Look, Alan Walker's like Sora from Kingdom Hearts. He doesn't have his own. He doesn't have his own body. He might as well be his, an apartment complex for others. Wow. Uh, as long as you're getting that rent. Uh, so I'm on. Why don't you start us off? Uh, these two are great. Um. I'm going to start with Alejandro starring in the world's weirdest remake of Murder on the Orient Express. I uh, I, I usually don't uh, call bullshit on voice actors very often because um, I'm often not very good at picking them out in the first place. So uh, them using an unusual voice is surprising often, but it's sometimes an after the fact thing. I'll believe this is Alejandro for a second. Nope. Nope. Oh, I'm in the same guy. fucking camp as you. That it's is not Alejandro Saab. It, it wouldn't even. I also it, don't believe it, my eyes. It would not have even occurred to me to even think that might be Alejandro. That is like, not Alejandro Saab. You are bullshitting like, me. Thumbs up, my dude. Like, goddamn, that's some some. That's a you 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 just slipped right into that character. It wouldn't even occur to me. If you would not believe your eyes if ten million Alejandro Saab flies. Yeah. <laughs> Owl We're City, trying no. to figure out who murdered on this train. God damn it, Megan. <laughs> please, please end my suffering, Owl City. God, no! Uh, but in, in addition to his, his, his astonishing voice acting black magic, he was just really fun in that story. 
I just like, I just, I especially liked his interaction with the kids. Like, he was just fun there. Just like, you know, hey kids, you want to know a riddle? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that riddle, but you got to do this thing for me, okay? You know, just uh, look for this guy and then drop this thing next to him when you find him. Uh, it's just, it's just, uh, just a nice little, that, that whole episode was just a nice little, like, little short adventure and i thought Alejandro just did a wonderful job of kind of playing like this very you know smooth affable guy who's just friend who's just immediate friends with everybody just everyone likes him no one like is worried or questioned about him as he's all like you know oh no oh no oh, oh no my child is still to drink oh no don't worry about it at all but you may want to take your children elsewhere for the time being things may get weird <laughs> have to go have to go stab a dude gotta go Bye, guys. I love Sword Art Online 3. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to, like, all five people who watched the first episode of that this weekend and get that joke. I didn't, I haven't even seen Sword Art Online 3, so I don't even get the joke, but I've heard about it. No, just to, just, sorry, I wanted to interrupt you. Steph, literally at the very end of the first episode of Sword Art Online Season 3, Alejandro stabs and kills Kirito. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Bryce, but holla fucking Luya. <laughs> <laughs> now should we keep that in there for posterity? Please keep that in there for posterity. Fine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on. It's alright. Uh, okay, to be fair, my immediate reaction is like, we out here killing Kirito tonight was to send the M. Bison yes gift. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so anyways, uh, Alejandro was just really, he's really good in that episode. I enjoyed him a lot. Uh, Brad was similarly fun. I, I, I'm right for one. Espionage on a cruise ship is clearly a grossly underdeveloped uh, subgenre. Get on that, writers of the world. Make more of that. This is great. Um, no, I, I enjoyed his performance a lot. I, I just kind of liked his sort of cheerful cockiness a lot of the time especially when he like actually meets the co-breaker and is like yeah no i figured out it was you pretty easily actually and here's how i'm gonna walk you through this you dope you're not <laughs> as you're not as smart as you think you are uh you're just you're just nice try mark stoddard yeah right it was just a lot of fun between like that and like you know stuff with the dog and figuring out this mystery that's you know who killed this person uh, it's just a, it's just nice bit. I, I also liked his interaction with the little girl, you know, like, you know, oh, let me show you the dolphins while your mother composes herself. Uh, let me, let me, let me show, look at the dolphins while your mother gets arrested. That one's a little less fun, but, uh, it's still cute. Um, yeah, these are just both, like, very just nice performances. They felt like very good showcases for both of these actors. Uh, they're just, just good, good solid writing and acting and direction all around. I was A+. Plus. Good stuff. Nice. Uh, Steph? Okay. I'm sorry, that's not Alejandro Saab. I'm still gonna be going on on this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe it then. I don't fucking believe it now. Even after I know, have familiarity with his range. That is not Alejandro Saab. Holy shit. Sorry, I had to get that out of my way. Out of the way. Um, God. But, it's... I really... I really like Tonzaki as a character... Because this is one of the moments, one of the characters that has, in this show, this is one of the agents that has probably the most charm and charisma to him. Almost to an extent where he, he's kind of suave, if that makes sense. 
because he's just so cutting and just so cool and he just has a lot of guts to him all the while still remaining like keeping this persona and just like hey kids do you want to want to see a dead body <laughs> <laughs> you not wrong he's like hey kids you want to help me with want to be a murder accomplice like like he can charm the pants off of you and then you just do whatever the fuck he wants even if it's you a little see child. A dead body? <laughs> but um, yeah, like I love Spy Kids Five. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, like it, it. This is one of those instances where I call bullshit. That's not Alejandro Saab. Like you can't tell me it is. Like I don't even believe the credits or Alejandro Saab himself <laughs> at this stage. That's not Alejandro Saab. And I mean, what's interesting because. Again, when I first watched it, Alejandro Saab wasn't quite established as a voice actor yet. So I didn't even know who the hell it was who was voicing this character at the time. I had no clue. But going back and watching it, I'm like... Was Gamers before or after this? After. Much after. Much after. Was this one of the first like shows he had like a, a, like a lead in? Um, Not a big, big lead. I think officially the first show where he got a lead was Occupus Trip. I think oh, I think true. um I think it was a f like a few months later if I'm right. <laughs> Maybe. But um no, but like it's a really interesting character cuz yeah, Tanizaki is probably to me anyway, he's probably the only spy that has a lot of charisma to him. Like this swab debonair kind of guy and it just works very very well and it's because we've heard Alejandro be very, very goofy. If we're speaking of Akiba's trip. <laughs> we've heard him go complete balls to the wall nuts. We haven't really heard him that much or often, if anything, as a charismatic, charming, suave individual. This is one of those few times where he is. And it just works very, very well in a dramatic role. And I really, really love it. And I appreciate that. Um, as for Brad Hawkins... Hawkins this is probably the first time I ever really heard him in anything and really paid attention to him. Because usually he's smaller roles and I am not watching Goblin Slayer uh, at all. To be fair, I don't blame you. That first episode is actually hot garbage. Get the fuck out of our comments. Yeah, I've heard I've heard things. But um, as, as also one of the few times like I'm really paying attention to Brad Hawkins, he's... He's actually another one where his character is very charming and suave. Like, him and Alejandro, I'm- It's funny that we put these two together, because they're basically, like, the two charismatic, charming individuals. And I really, really love Brad's performance. Like, it's a different kind- It's a different kind of charismatic, though. Well, Alejandro as Tanizaki is more, like, very- Almost bore- Bore- Choice of words- this is gonna kick my ass when I do this. It's borderline seductive to a point for Alejandro. Okay, Brad Hawkins' charm as um, Amari is more like more casual, suave in a sense. Like two different kinds of char charisma going on here, but it works very, very well. Steph, if I may. Oh God. <laughs> Brad Hawkins' charm is I would like you to be my dad. Alejandro Saab's charm is I want you to be my daddy. For lack of a better way of putting it. 
Yes. <laughs> Shit. Oh, I'm digging my hole even further. It's my new fucking hole today, guys. Uh, you're not the one who said it. I'm the one who did. I'm the one who's going to hell. I know, but still, you're not wrong. Also, fuck you, Hardy. Now you're getting me to get back into the Boongo game ass. <laughs> but it's, it's very... Brad Hawkins is very interesting. It's just... Again, it's very suave. It's very charming. It's... Uh, each of these performances, like for the show entirely, just bring a different kind of persona and level to them. And it's very interesting to see all of these actors like flex their acting chops with these different kinds of roles and these different masks that they have to wear. All the while, just be like, I have this mission I'm going to complete. I have to be dead serious about it. And then put on this persona. And it's like, hey, kid, want to watch the dolphins with me? <laughs> like... Hey, kid, want to see a dolphin? <laughs> see, hey, I'll hey, kid, you want to see a dead body? Brad, hey, kid, you want to see a dolphin? <laughs> but, um, it's, these two are probably the more charismatic and charming performances, and I really like both of them. And honestly, I would love to see Brad in more things that are not Goblin Slayer. <laughs> honestly, because he really, I think he is a good actor, and I really want to see him in more things. I really do. Um, just not complete garbage things. Not his fault. Or the director's fault. Nobody's fault but Japan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed both of these performances a lot. No, so, I guess, I guess I'll go. So, the one thing I really like about Alejandro Saab is that that's a lie. That's not Alejandro Saab. A man possessed Alejandro Saab and spoke through his body. No, I'm just kidding. He actually does have the acting chops. Like, yeah. I'm actually, like, I'm actually now kind of disappointed that people keep casting him as, like, psychos and, like, in comedies. I would like to hear him play, like, an adult male in straight drama again like this, where he actually gets to do, like, more than one episode. Granted, I, I would say that, like, out of all the episodes out of context, like, this is the most normal one. Also, be I can't believe he hit a pigeon in his coat that long. How did that thing live? How did He's it survive? He's a magician. What the fuck? <laughs> What the I fuck? I love Alejandro. Mike Tyson murder. And for my next, I, like, I love Mike Tyson this. I love Mike Tyson mysteries. <laughs> as long as he doesn't go Ozzy Osbourne on it, we're good. No, Mike Tyson doesn't bite off pigeons' heads. Steph, he just has a bunch of. Pigeons That's why I loves. said, so long as he doesn't go Ozzy Osbourne on us. That was a bat, not a pigeon. <laughs> Close enough. Shut up. No. No, 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 no. Shut your mouth. Bats are not birds. Bats are mammals. I, I feel I should point out that Ozzy Osbourne has bit the head off of both. <laughs> Win. <laughs> Thank you, Armand. Fuck you and your dusty old song, Skeleton Man. He's a weird, he's a weird man, that Osbourne. <laughs> he's a weird man. He's done a lot of drugs. <laughs> I don't know how I come back from that. You don't. You fucking don't. I fucked up. <laughs> you stole my thunder. Oops. In a rare twist of fate. Oh, God. But no, I, I, I loved Alejandro Saab as, hey, kids, do you want to see a dead body? Um, <laughs> He was a lot of he was a really charming and very interesting take on the the character and I I also genuinely enjoyed the fact that he was by far the least skeevy sounding of the guys. Oh my god. <laughs> um 
And then Brad Hawkins, who I'm with, I'm with Steph. It's like, yay, you're actually in a show that I watch. Um, to which, fuck the guy who said you were a bad actor because you had a bucket on your head in Goblin Slayer. You're wrong. He, he's um, a good actor. That's why I want to see him in more things that aren't Goblin Slayer. Yeah, like, like seriously, guys, like put him in a put him in a reverse harem show for once. Oh my god, that'd be so interesting, actually. No, I think Brad Hawkins was great. I, I like the fact that he, he sounded like... He sounded like paternal without being a... Without going super dad voice. So, I, I thought the parts where he's like to the little girl, Come on, we're gonna go look at the dolphin so we can get over the fact that your mom killed... Killed your daddy's best friend who killed him. And then he just magically great. adopts a child and a dog. At the end of the episode. I mean, wouldn't you? You're anyway, uh, that's all I really have to say for the two of them. Uh, go ahead, Roots. Isn't it fucked up that a goblet is a cup and not a tiny goblin? God damn it! What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Now I'm imagining- now I'm just imagining the Goblin Slayer in Joker game, like, with the full armor and nothing's different. <laughs> and he's just picking up the little girl and telling her, like, do you want- do you want to go see the dolphins? <laughs> Oh, no, God. he just he just picks he just picks up Priestess and asks her if she wants to go see the dolphin. <laughs> uh, but in any case, let's start with Alejandro's. Um, I I really like this performance, and you know, it's it's accented with um, oh God, who was it? Um, Terry Doty. I I actually have the page up. Just give me one sec. It's like, uh, is it the is it the normal little boy squad at Funimation? It's Terry Doty, Marissa Lenti, and Kate Oxley who play the three little boys. What? One of them was Marissa Lenti. I didn't know that. Apparently, I, mean, I couldn't tell. They're listed as boy A, boy B, and boy C. So Damn. I'm okay. That's them. I I could get I could pick up on Terry, but I didn't pick up on the other two actually. Like I could pick up on Terry, I didn't pick up the other two. But yeah, they the three of them did a really good job as the little boys, and um, I like how Alejandro just kind of has this older brotherly quality to them, and like throughout the little game they played, it's it's really nice. And uh, Brad Hawkins, like it was a that was a really good episode, and he had some really good interactions with Mark Stoddard, and I want to say Colleen Clinkenbeard. Yes. Yeah, I think that was Colleen. It was Colleen and the little yeah. girl is Bryn, if I remember correctly. Hmm. I. It's kind of a shame that we're we're not really talking about the ancillary characters all that much, but yeah, the these two episodes were kind of like episode four. They kind of revolved around the secondary cast a little more, and uh, both actors did a really good job of playing against everyone around them. Uh, they were they were fun little vignettes. I I really like them. But uh, Alejandro and Brad Hawkins did a really good job. Uh, so next up we have a couple of. This is a two part episode. It kind of had a lot of interesting little twists and turns to it. Uh, first off, we have Jiro, who is in fact not a member of the agency, but a rival agency set up in order to. The wind, order to the wind of, agency, I think, right. Yes. Yeah, Wind Agency. Basically set up as, like, 
a more militaristic alternative to de-agency, where it's basically kill indiscriminately, die honorably, like, the exact opposite of their mantra. Yeah. And Juro is one of the guys who's trying to get recruited into the organization, and his first test is basically to just observe this one guy. And up against him from D-Agency and kind of a twist is um, a man who was planted there as sort of a, as sort of a, I guess a servant, I want to say. Uh, yeah. Servant uh, to the house. The, um, there's an actual term they used. I can't remember it, but yeah. And uh, he's like a little scrawny guy named... Uh, Named Jitsui, but he goes under the alias here, uh, Kunio Morishima. But he's sent in from D-Agency to sort of undermine Wind Agency. And, like, it, it was a really interesting cat-and-mouse game throughout episodes 8 and 9. Uh, Juro is played by Eric Bale, who you'd know as Sanji from One Piece. Kanta, Desert Punk Mizuno from Desert Punk. Uh, featured Trunks in the Dragon Ball franchise. And Guise Card in the Heroic Legend of Arslan. Uh, Jitsui is played by Joel McDonald, who you'd know as Koki Mimura in Assassination Classroom. Ronald Knox and Black Butler. Bartholomew Kuma in One Piece. And Meow in Space Dandy. So, Amon, why don't you start us off? Uh, let's see. Eric Vale, Eric Vale, Eric Vale. I feel like whenever I see... I know he plays other things, but I feel like whenever I see Eric Vale in something, he's playing either someone scummy or Zolo from One Piece. That's really that's really all I think I hear of it. <laughs> it's like dirt, dirt, dirt bags of a sword pirate. No, no, no. He's Sanji. Well, say oh, he's Sanji. Sanji. Wait I'm a sorry. second. Sorry. Okay, Justin actually, Rojas. No, that, that is actually... Actually, no. <laughs> I remember that. Actually, Actually, no, you Sanji, know Sanji, the Sibushimi of One Piece. No, you know, you know what? I God stand corrected. Sanji is a hundred percent the Eric Vale character in One Piece world. So no, it's it's mostly it's mostly kind of dirtbags. Oh my god! But there's a reason for that. He's very good at playing dirtbags. Case in point, Mr. Jiro here. Uh, who you know is not you know by the standards of the show is far from the worst character in it probably like there's far more evil characters looking at you episode three um uh but he was very he was very entertaining in it like as far as like a guy to follow around for a couple episodes while he tries to dismantle the agency we've grown to like in the like what six or seven episodes prior to that he was a lot of fun uh he was just he sold it very well. Like you can clearly tell, like you know, yes, he is like competent and ambitious. He's you know, he he's, he can be a serious threat to these guys. He's not just some you know dumb dumb Johnny come lately who thinks he can do better. Like no no, he is competition, um, and he's a lot of fun uh, as a consequence, especially at the end of the second episode where it all comes falling apart, and we find out that's like oh no the 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 cowardly little uh, boy in the glasses nope nope. Nope, that was a bad idea. You shouldn't have taken him in. You He's fucked bad. up. You fucked up. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, because um, yeah, speaking of characters, I, I always, I know what Joel McDonald looks like, and so I always forget that it's like, oh yeah, he's like Jacuzzi, 
from Bacano and all these other kind of like really like wimpy characters who I always feel like should be played by like a much younger, like, you know, teenagery looking actor. But no, Joel's just good at those roles. And there's another fine example of playing the, one of these, you know, this character who, you know, for all super seems to be kind of, you know, you know, cowardly and wimpy and clearly, you know, someone you can push around. But it's like, nope, that's an act. He's probably appears to be maybe the most dangerous spy in the entire agency. Uh, he will, I he will, he will, you. he will, he will stab you in the back and go home and not feel bad about it, even the least bit. You deserve to die. <laughs> that was your problem, not his. Uh, and he played, he played both those sides very well, I thought. Like, he's good, you know, I've, I've seen him play stuff like, people like Jacuzzi. I know he can do the kind of, you know, uh, you know, scaredy cat stuff very well. But he was also really good when it was like, nah, I'm, not, I'm done playing this game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you to do the only thing you can do now, and go home with my boss. You have fun, buddy. Wouldn't want to be you. Uh, just, just a boat, just a pair of like really nice performances that I thought really helped bolster that up. Those two episodes, uh, that, those, those were a lot of fun, and I think their performances really helped make that. Uh, just good stuff all around. Ooh. Oh, excuse me. Someone getting sleepy. Hush you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just I was up I was up till two in the morning two days ago, I'll have you know. I was up till three in the morning last night. Yeah, That's you your went. own damn fault. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, I ran out of my meds. Oh lord. Anyway, I'm guessing it's me. Mm-hmm. Um So the only two characters that actually make sense in going together <laughs> in some form or fashion. Um uh, and in the other two parter no less. Um this is this is a very interesting situation um, because up until this point, because this is episodes eight and nine um, that we're covering at this stage, um, up until then it was really just like standard espionage kind of stuff and going through the paces. But then we have all of a sudden, oh, there's this rival agency now. So it became like a completely different storyline. Actually, I enjoyed the storyline a lot. Um, in terms of these two performances, so I'm gonna start with Eric Vale. Uh, he actually shows he actually has some a, a shred of class to him. I say a shred because the Wind Agency is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, but um, considering like, cause episode eight is where we spend the majority of the time with Eric, and um, with his mission and what he's doing, he actually ha shows some. A, a nice amount of class and some wit to him, um, as he is part of this rival agency. Um, episode 9 is interesting because, in terms of the win ag agency, it shifts from Eric over to Chris George, um, who is the leader of the win agency. Um, basically, the Lieutenant Colonel Yugi of the win agency. And, um... It's, it's a little bit of a shame we're not talking about him, but I, I will say this. I did enjoy Chris George's performance um, as this character. I will say that. Um, but seeing the rival agency, seeing the mindset, because the win agency's thing is like, kill if, you, kill if necessary, take no prisoners, that kind of thing. Obviously, the completely opposite philosophy that we learned at this point from D-Agency so seeing their philosophy and their moral code kind of play out through Eric's character is actually very intriguing, and I enjoy it a lot. Um, like Amon said, Eric Vale, like, half the time plays dickbag characters. 
And this character is kind of a dickbag. <laughs> so, it does fall in line, but it's also very interesting that this character does have um, that class and wit about him. As for Joel, Joel is a very interesting one. Because I feel like there are two times where we really notice Joel and his performance as, as um, Jitsui. Um, obviously in episode 9 where he really comes in, but... I picked up on him very early on in the first two episodes as well, because obviously Joe McDonald's voice and his vocal range is very distinct. And you, it's very stark contrast in terms of personality, obviously, because in the first couple episodes, Jitsui is one of the fucking dickbags. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> way camp. <laughs> way camp. Fuck you. <laughs> Flips the bird. <laughs> no. Chris Way Camp, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? But um That's another one of the fairy tale versions. <laughs> nice. But um Chris Way Camp, what are you doing? But having going from this like very very serious and like cunning person to the 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 the, the um I'm about to say cabin boy, and that's not the fucking term. Um, as the servant... Cabana boy. Cabana boy. <laughs> he's gonna be the... He's now named the Cabana boy. It's official. So At the Copa. Copa Cabana. Cabana. No. But um, as the um, as the servant of this other household here, um, he, he definitely comes off as very unassuming and childlike to an extent, and I really, really like that. Um... He's very, he's one, during episode nine, he's very, very spunky. He's very energetic. Like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, ooh, and did I do good? Did I do good? Which is the funny, the funniest thing about this two-parter is um, the informant for the win agencies. That's actually Jitsui. That's the greatest thing. <laughs> and it's like, haha, bitch. Wait, 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 he was his own informant? So... The the win agency. Remember the when they went out to dinner, the whole of them. Oh yeah, yeah. And this little this little kid that they were using to as their in, like inside informant and stuff like that, in order to not like get him arrested for shit. It was Jitsui. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was like, haha, bitch. I was I okay. Look, I kind of zoned out for that two parter. It. In my defense, I kind of zoned. I I found it really. I found it a lot of fun, honestly. Um, but he definitely he blends the key sentence I wrote in my notes here blends in very well with his surroundings. That is the key on this one because if you here's the thing if you're a casual watcher of the show, you don't pick up on voice actors, right? You would probably never. You would either almost or never tell that this kid who is working for this very prestigious person is actually the spy from the agency. If you weren't that well-versed in voice actors, you wouldn't tell. So he kind of blends in with everything, and that's actually a very good thing. Like, sometimes it sucks when actors kind of get stuck blending into the background when they should really be standing out. This is one of the times where Joel just blended in so well and that's part of the appeal of this character because he's very unassuming and I appreciate that a lot honestly it's one of the rare times it's like oh this 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 person didn't really stand out to me and it's like oh this this he didn't stand out to me at all and this is a good thing if that makes sense you know what I mean yeah so 
I really love Joel's performance as Jitsui because of that. And um, yeah, this this two-parter was honestly a lot of fun. Um, but side note, <laughs> I wrote this down, um, and I'll probably bring it up again later. So Colonel Yuki's speech, this is this is nothing to do with um, Joel or Eric Shore, but Colonel Yuki's speech to um, Chris George's character in episode nine. Ooh. Oh, was that who that was? Chris George, yeah, the le leader of the Win Agency. Okay, cool. Because I was like, I know, I know, I heard Brandon Potter at one point was uh, somebody. Yeah, he was. But no, ooh, Colonel Yuki's speech to Chris George as a basically a big like, fuck you, you don't know, kiss my ass, kiss my ass, you don't do nothing, you suck. That was the greatest speech in the world <laughs> to me. I loved it. But um, yeah, in terms of Eric and Joel, I really, really loved them. But I think for me. Because it blended in so well to the background, and that was the point. I think Joel's the standout between the two. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Megan? So, so fun fact, I, I I assumed that Eric Vale was one of the guys in the DHC. <laughs> Whoops. But it, does, it, do, it doesn't help that he's actually in the opening thing either, actually. Oh, yes, is he? Yes. Okay, see, here's the thing, like... I, I, y'all think that we're joking when I say that all of them look the same. They look the yeah, same. The, like the wor like the worst of it. Like if, if you put um, Joel and Dallas's characters and put like next, they look identical. Yeah. And then you put the glasses on both of them as like, well, shit. Who are you? Shit. <laughs> and it's fitting that they got the two guys that I would think that play. Uh, no offense to uh, Dallas and or Joel. Um, they they kind of get to play like two types of characters. They either get to play like kind of crazy people or like screaming little twinks not wrong i've not watched wrong. enough i i've watched enough anime to know where to, where joel mcdonald is and i immediately knew who joel mcdonald was so i was like oh hey joel there you are this is joel's episode uh i thought eric vale was was great it, it, it's a lot of, this is actually one of the times where like i usually have a thing where, like i know where eric vale is in the show but i didn't actually know this is where eric vale was in the show and to get past me, who's been doing this podcast for, like, what, three years? Four years now? four years at least. Well, we started, what, 2015? Yeah. Yeah, like, who's been doing this for four years? That's saying something? That he could pull the fast one on, on my on my ears? And I thought it was just genuinely pleasant to listen to. I feel, I think the reason, like, I said I zoned out in the middle of the, in those episodes is I actually think when I was watching this, I was starting to get a little sick. Yeah, this is, like, right around when I was starting to get sick watching it. Oh, yeah. Mm. We had to delay it because, like, we were... We yeah, like, we were supposed by... to record this a little yeah, while ago, and then, we, I, we delayed and then it like, by a, a bunch of us got yeah, sick. Yeah, we delayed it by a week, and then, like, three of us out of the four were like, oh, yeah, this isn't happening. Yeah, like, I'm not feeling good today. Like, this is, like, right around where my stomach just started to drop. Um, but, uh, the other thing was that with Joel, the thing I really, really, really enjoyed was that um, Joel McDonald is really good at playing unassuming little characters who will cut you. All of us here are Bakudo fans. Not wrong. This is basically just <laughs> not wrong. So uh, Evil Jacuzzi here. <laughs> evil Kuzi, as I'll call him. I uh, love that name. great, and I... I like Joel getting to play, like, using the archetype for his voice, but for characters who are, like, not nice, goody little two-shoes. So, I, I genuinely enjoyed this, and 
Uh, I like that this is where he put himself in his own dub. <laughs> Clever um, man. This is a great role for Clever him. Clever man. Like, I find it I find it really funny when he's a director and shows like where he put where he chooses to put himself, like where he puts himself in an uh, assassination classroom as the guy who likes to direct movies. Like that was that character's exact trait, by the way. Hmm. Um so I find it really funny that uh he would he plays the character who might as well be the best actor out of all the spies. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Not saying he did that on purpose, but just saying. <laughs> um I thought the two performances were great. Again, these are like it's again. It's I'm having this problem as we go through the episode of like actually finding things to say that the others haven't said already. So go ahead, Roots. Yeah. So there was a um, there's an image that sort of came to mind as I was watching episodes the um, the two parter. It was um, it was from a really old like. It was from a really old book about, like, how to act, and there was this, there was this whole page and section about, um, how to obfuscate stupidity. And that is basically Joel McDonald's character in a nutshell. You know, you kind of walk at a little bit of an angle, you, um, you slur your speech a little bit, and... Like, avoid eye contact, and you will seem absolutely unassuming to people. And that was... Yeah, that was basically Joel McDonald's entire character arc, in a nutshell. He, um... He was absolutely unassuming. He disappeared into the background of the show. I knew he was a character, and I knew where to find him, and I still... Didn't quite know what he was up to. Yeah, it's 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 that good. And um, like Eric Valis Jiro, the the person who ends up being the sat to uh, to Joel, like the whole game the two of them play is just really really fun to watch, and their interactions are just chef kiss. I really don't have that much to say other than that. Oh, and um, Chris Ryan in particular, as the head of Wind Agency, he gets like a couple of really Chris nice George. scenes. Chris George. Chris George. And he gets this really nice moment of comeuppance, and it's all real good. This was a really good two-parter. Everybody did a good job. Thumbs up. Uh, so our last little batch of characters and de-agency members um uh miyoshi who goes by the alias uh katsuhiko maki in episode 11 kind of a funny thing about his character because he's dead his entire focus episode yeah. he doesn't speak once yep it's kind of a shame really <laughs> But we but thankfully we do get to hear him a couple other points throughout the series so that that kind of makes up for it yeah, he shows up. He he's basically the guy who explains uh agency to Sakuma, sets up the devil. Also fucks him. Also fucks with him in the first episode. <laughs> sets up the Joker game and finally explains the rules to him after it's all said and done. And then he gets a couple of really nice moments taunting the other person we're talking about through his assignment after he screws up, and that is Odagiri. Under the alias Hiroyuki Tobisaki, 
Uh, his job was to watch a German spy while he was in Japan. But that spy ended up getting murdered on his watch. And a uh, couple of events here and there happen, and it turns out it was a jilted lover. Which, yeah, I think Megan's going to have things to say when we finally get to the uh, get to the opinion section on that. But um, Miyoshi is played by Josh Greeley, who you would know as not in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department. He's Carthalis in Ancient Magus Bride. Mao Sadao, a.k.a. Satan in The Devil is a Part-Timer. And Shimazu Toyohisa in Drifters. Uh, Odagiri is played by David Matranga. He is uh, Briarios in the Texas dubs of Appleseed. Uh, he's Bertolt Hoover in Attack on Titan. Luke in Garo Vanishing Line. And Shoto Todoroki in My Hero Academia. Amon, why don't you start us off? Uh, let me see. Uh, Josh is a lot of fun. He's just kind of mean, but in a fun way, I guess. It's just like, hey, you're a rube. I'm going to mess with you a little bit to teach you a lesson. And it works, but you know, he, he's just—he's he's kind of a jerk, but in like kind of a fun way, I guess. Like, he doesn't seem like he's trying to, you know, he doesn't actually want to see this guy die. But it's like, no, no, I, I gotta prove a point to you because I'm not gonna, I take my job seriously and I'm not gonna take this nonsense from you. So he was, he was just, he was just enjoyable when we got to hear him. Uh, he just, he bought this, he bought this fun sort of, like, pep, I guess, to the character. Uh, he was kind of, he was fun, energetic, uh, you know, a little, little, little bit of a smartass in a good way. Um, if only he got to be in more of the show. <laughs> I find or... some deep. Poor Miyoshi. I do. I look. I I do. I do enjoy something that his highlight episode is all about a bunch of Nazis trying to figure out what he was doing there after he died. Like I find that amusing for some reason. Just like it's like, hey, how can I get? Hey, how can I give the Nazis the runaround after I die? I'll do that for my last act. <laughs> well, I didn't expect the Third Reich to show no one up. Expects the Third Reich to show up. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Also, sidebar, since I want to, I want to, I want to echo what uh, Megan was saying earlier. The ensemble cast in that episode is great. Incidentally, uh, you're all, you're all great. Um, I don't know if I'm sorry you didn't show up again. I'm not sure I'd want to watch a show that fe probably features Nazis in a realistic setting. But you're all fine actors, and you're very good in that episode. Thank you. Um, but anyways, Josh was a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm sad that not only did he not show up more often, but on the very unlikely chance Joker game does get a sequel, it'll be hard for him to show up again. Mm. We'll miss you, buddy. But, um, I also want to say the phrase is Dave Matranga, who I also really enjoyed. Uh, he, he brought, I, I liked the way he played his character as somebody who, like, he is, like, he's in D-Agency, he is part of this espionage game, but there is still a little bit of, like... He doesn't feel quite as, like, cynical or jaded as some of the other characters. There's still this little bit of optimism in him that, uh, you know, I think kind of sometimes gets, you know, kind of gets in the way of his job to a certain extent, which is why he kind of gets let go at the end. But I, I, I like that aspect to him. It was something nice about having this character who, even though he knows the rules of the game, he's still, like, he's still a person, essentially. Like, he's not just, in a, you know, he's not a perfect spy automaton who can just kind of turn it off at will. 
Uh, and I thought I thought he brought that well as somebody who like is a professional but still does have you know a little bit of a personal weakness if only just because you know he's human he can't help it. Um, like you know, for all for all that episode's kind of gross sexism, which may or may not be like intentional to the author. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure because Colonel Yuki definitely seems like the kind of guy who would be a sexist old windbag, and I don't know like how much I should read into being his opinion versus the author's. Whatever. That said, I thought in that regard, as far as a focus on his character specifically, I did think that was a nice send off to the show. Uh, he seemed like a good fit for kind of being the note to go out on, given that I think a lot of the show's opinions on kind of like war and espionage are very like this can be good, but it has to be used well sort of a thing um so yeah like props to both josh and david i think for just turning in some really nice performances and some interesting characters hmm. okay oh. uh steph okay um <laughs> god how are, we, how are we gonna start this uh rip josh Greeley. <laughs> rest in peace sometimes i can still see his voice rest in peace you bastard um oh lord um What's unfortunately, it's I liked Miyoshi as a I really liked Miyoshi as a character from the get go, and similar to Sakuma, I thought he was gonna be one of the main characters. Of course, he's not. Thanks, Kiart, for lying to me. Um, but <laughs> so, and what sucks even more is episode eleven. Yeah, he's dead and doesn't say anything. So we really, really the only times we get to hear. Josh's Miyoshi is the first two episodes and in episode 12. So that's what we really have. Um, Miyoshi is another cunning individual who is just, I think, because he, he kind of takes on the role, to me in a way, um, as like a second in command. If Colonel Yuki is like the head of the agency, Miyoshi's the second in command in a way. Because he kind of, especially with the first two episodes, he kind of speaks up for everyone in the group. Um, when Sakuma was doing a thing, and then we have, um, Odegiri, yeah, it is. I had to look up the name real quick. And, um, Miyoshi kind of acts as the vocal center of the entire agency at points, um, and as a second of command. So, to have that presence, Josh has that presence there, um... Which is good, because you have to have that presence in order to really convey, like, look, this is what we're all about. This is how things go. Y you call us cowards, you don't like it, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> Basically, it's like a big fuck you. <laughs> and just like, yeah, so this is how things go. All this kind of stuff. But, um, he's also very, very intelligent. Like, Miyoshi doesn't- Miyoshi don't play. Miyoshi just- will do what he can for the sake he does what he can for the sake of the agency like he kind of he, i feel like he's the character that puts the agency above himself if that makes sense mm. um and you can kind of tell too in episode 11 when he ends up fucking dead um because he's the he's the only actual character that we know of that actually died throughout the course of the show. Everybody else is still alive at this point in time. So, which brings a different aspect to the story in of itself, is that when an agent dies, what the fuck happens, you know what I mean? So, 
Miyoshi's just calm, cool, collected, a smooth operator. He's very intelligent and all this fun stuff. Um, so I, Josh, I think, was a perfect fit for that because he encapsulated all those personality traits and just became the voice of the agency, which really works, I think, because you kind of need that, especially especially in the first two episodes as you're establishing who these characters are, what's going on, what are they doing. Like, having that voice and that side, I think, really helps a lot, and jo Josh was really good at portraying that. Um, as for David Matranga, he is probably the most human member of the agency, not including Sakuma. Because with Odagiri and his fuck-up, basically, he starts questioning if he's actually useful and he, if this is actually what he wants. And I apologize, I was half paying attention. I don't know if this is brought up. Um, in the beginning of episode 12, we actually see Odagiri in the military. Um... And how he's actually not fit to be in the military because he seems to be too soft. And it's very interesting to go from that little bit of flashback into, like, the current, like, quote-unquote current, present-day situation that Odegeti goes through. And all of this trials and all that stuff he, ten he has to kind of overcome in order to uh, accomplish his mission. And then deciding at the end, this isn't where I should be. I need to be elsewhere. Like, he hit compared to, like, him versus everybody else. And the scene, the meeting scene in episode 12 is a huge, huge high point of this where you can really see it. Where Odegiri is just human and being empathetic. Everybody else in the group is just, like, st like stone cold, like, stoic, and all this stuff. So you can really see the contrast and you can kind of tell that Odegiri is... Be, is more of the outsider. And I really, really like how David Matranger portrayed probably one of the most human characters in not only in the agency, but probably one of the most human characters in the entire show itself. So I really like both of these performances a lot. Of course, I'm sad. Miyoshi doesn't get m a whole ton to do and bait and switch thinking he's going to be one of the main characters, but he's not. Um, but Odegiri, I love David Matranger's more humane portrayal um, of an agent in the agency. So I, I really like both of these performances a lot. All right. Uh, Megan. <sighs> God, that's such a bad fucking take. Ugh! Also a bad take. Sexism. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, because men have never done anything irrationally in their life at all. Like getting mad that a comic book character's cleavage is not cleavagey enough. Haha. <laughs> Whoops. No. Uh, fuck off, Lieutenant Yuki. Um, but no, uh, I I like Josh. Josh does smarmy Josh, which I like smarmy Josh. Sometimes I feel like we don't get enough smarmy Josh. Um, he was like a smarmier version of Cartophilus. Fitting, he'll both end up in a ditch. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Shit. Also, I just love the part where, like, uh, where, uh, Jeremy Schwartz and Rico are like, like Jeremy Schwartz is monologuing, and you kind of get to see how he dies. Just his reaction of, "Oh, I've been impaled." It's like, "Oh, so <laughs> this is my life now." Oh, this is this is. I'm just gonna. Eat. Well, this is gonna stain my shirt. It's like, oh, like, oh this is. Oh, go. Okay, cool. Well, this, this is a is, thing. This is, awkward. this is a thing right now. Ah, oh, that's a little tender. Well, this, is, 
<laughs> God damn it, Roots. <laughs> but Dave, Dave Matranga as a, as a, not Josh Curley, <laughs> as the guy who, the, the human one, who, like, I didn't call the twist of, like, her being the guy that raised him. Like, that was an actual legitimate twist that got me. Um, I think that Dave really does bring a humanity to the performance and a tenderness that kind of reminds me a bit of Bearholt before Bearholt's like, well, fuck it, time to kill all y'all. Yeah, it kind of um, does, actually. <laughs> it's just, I really, I really enjoyed his performance. I, I honestly, it's kind of up there with uh, Waycamp and uh, the other Dave at the show. <laughs> Good job, Daves. Uh, Dave Power. But I, I feel really bad for him as a character because I feel like he would be, he... I hate that the show makes him out to be a bad spy because, oh no, he has emotions. Like women, that makes you bad. It makes you jilted. Fuck off. Fuck up. Fuck your bullshit. Fuck your sexist bullshit. Like, that's the one thing I hated about this show. Like, that... Like, here's the thing. I had known going in that Joker game had, like, a woof of an ending. But I didn't expect it to be that big of a- that loud of a bark. It was like the woof of a sexist St. Bernard. Uh, but that's not anything that's, like, against Dave's performance or, like, the dub cast. That's just Japan. And I- and I don't- I, I don't know the author, so I can't make any assumptions about this- this person. But- it is something that left me really sour, and unfortunately, I have to associate it with Dave Vitrenga because that's it was revolving around his character, who I thought he played beautifully. Hmm. Oh no, that means you can go. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, You're good. You're good. Uh, so I, I really like Smarmy Josh when he gets to come out and like throughout the first episode you can you can tell he has good intentions but he's just gonna play around with this new mark a bit <clears throat> and then show him how everything works like that i i really like that interaction and then episode 12 where he's sort of he's still kind of poking at the ribs of Odagiri. Just because he he failed his his mission and he's he's helping out just to be a dick, and I like I I really like like it when uh, Josh Greeley gets to play the the sort of smarmy asshole characters and it's it's fun and I I love the sort of earnest er, earnestness that David Matranga gives to Odagiri because he's he's just trying to be a good spy but he's like he's conflicted about the whole game and then he needs to investigate the murder of the person he's watching he's bound and determined and then realizes that this isn't for him which you know respectable and I really like the the sort of humanity that David Matranga gives him that the other characters kind of lack a little bit or they have they use it as a mask. And I just like that it like it felt genuine out of him and it needed to feel genuine out of him. And yeah, it's good. Both performances were good. Uh, the episodes and the 
and the background cast around them were all really good. So, yeah, thumbs up. Uh, so last up, we have Lieutenant Colonel Yuki himself. The uh, best character in the show. <laughs> Debatable. To you, but I think he's the best character. He basically has given out a whole bunch of, uh, false backstories to his life that a bunch of characters just kind of un unravel, and they're all fake, and... Nobody really knows who's who this guy is. He just sort of shows up. He fakes a bunch of injuries while he has a couple of real ones. Just in order to, like, completely obfuscate himself. And it's just one of the most interesting characters I've seen in, like, shows as of recent. But, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Yuki is played by Bill Jenkins. You would know him as Manfred von Karma. Manfred von Karma in Ace Attorney. Uh, he's One Piece's narrator. He's Laomoto Khan in Ninja Slayer from Animation. Yart. And he's Sebastian in the second and third seasons of Overlord. Taken over from Ed Blaylock. Uh, so, I'm on... Why don't you start us off? Uh, so I think Bill, Bill has an advantage over a lot of the rest of the cast, and also, which also gives him a slightly harder job, and that he actually has significant roles in more than one episode. Uh, so he has to do a lot more acting than everyone else. Um, that's it. I I enjoyed him a lot as Yuki. I don't. I'm not super familiar with him. I think I just managed to not see a lot of the stuff he's been in. Uh, at least with the more prominent roles, but I, I really enjoy what he brought here. He has a lot of like he puts a lot of weight and gravitas into his voice. Like he, from the first, you know, from the first you know scene he's in, you can tell that Yuki is, you know, he is he means business and he is here to be serious and do his job well. And I think uh, Bill just really sells him on that. Like you can tell, like oh yeah, there's a reason that he's gotten this far in life and he is where he is today. Uh, especially, you know, when you get that little hint of a flashback of like, oh yeah, he's been mucking around in this for years. Like, the only re probably the only reason he's not a field agent is because of his actual injuries, which he disguises by pretending he has other injuries, because that's the kind of guy Yuki is. Uh, he, he, was, he was fun. It was, it was often fun seeing him, like, you know, run around and, you know, do a little bit of espionage on the side here and there and explain, like, no, your plan was stupid and it was always going to fail. You dumb dumb. Uh, you know, particularly with that he's like dealing with the uh, wind agency people. Uh, I just thought it was a very strong performance overall. He he gave a lot of like heft the character needed and he hit all the dramatic notes very well. I, I really enjoyed listening to him, uh, which you know again since he's one of the few people who gets to show up a lot, uh, I think that helped the show's show a lot. Uh, I enjoyed him. A plus. Hmm. Uh, step. Oh, man. So, I mean, thinking about it this way. When this when this dub came out, how often did we really get to hear Bill Jenkins in a very, very large role? Basically, one piece. I know, right? So, it's... I really loved this performance a lot. It's one of my favorites. I'll, be, I'll, I'll say that right off the bat. Because, uh, what are some of my notes about it? Oh my god. 
Because, um... The main purpose with Colonel Yuki, of course, is a very leadership role. And considering the rank that he's at as well, he has to have this strong presence. But all the while, he's also an enigma. Because <laughs> it's hard to figure out, like, who exactly Yuki is, what his background's like, what he was like when he was a kid. Hence the um, one episode with the reporter. And um, it's very, very interesting. So having to be that he has to be having needing to be a strong presence as well as a very mysterious enigma. Bill Jenkins, I think, captures every single aspect of this character. And I love it so, so much. As the one constant in the entire show, he's, excuse me, he makes... Like, he, you know when he's there. You know what he's about to do. Like, he has a goal. He has a mission that he's trying to achieve. He'll do anything he can to do it. And I really, really like it. It's a very... It's a... It's a very strong performance from at least at that point. Because we've heard him at least in a few decent-sized roles since then. At that point, from a very underutilized actor. So... It's one of the few times for an older character to have such a great presence about him, and I really love the performance that much. I have to say this, though. One of my favorite lines in the entire show, and he says it in the, during the first episode and then during the last episode. Uh, tell me if you remember this one. Are you an imbecile? Only children and fools bow in a business suit. <sighs> How that one line is delivered basically sums up, I think, Colonel Yuki's attitude. And I think that performance in a nutshell to me. Because it's, it's such a poignant line. Like, to me. Because it's, it's as if, like, what's the best way to describe this? It's like, yeah, I'm your superior, but are you an idiot? Why are you bowing down to me? <laughs> like, in, in a business suit, no less. Like, why? It makes no sense. Like, you, you an idiot? Like, Yugi doesn't take shit from anyone at all. Um, he's, he's, again, he, I'm being repetitive at this point. He's, he's, he has to be a strong presence. He has to be a mysterious enigma. And I think with those two main points in this character's personality traits, um, and their story, Bill definitely brings that up very strong. And I, I really, when I watched, when I first watched the dub a few years ago, I was like, this is the, this, like, this is Bill Jenkins. I gotta make sure I pay attention to him a bit more now. So, good on you, Bill. This is, I think this is probably, for me, um, not only my favorite performance of the whole show, um, I think it's one of my favorite performances from Bill Jenkins himself, honestly. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Megan? Um, as somebody who's only really, who really enjoyed Bill Jenkins as Manfred Von Karma in, uh, Ace Attorney, hey, I was on that episode, we, that came out like a couple months ago now, uh, I enjoyed his Yuki. I thought his Yuki was... Uh, haunting and demanding like anytime he was on screen and spoke like 
he commanded all the presence in the room, which is really good for the guy who's the brains of the outfit. And even though Yuki is a sexist piece of shit, um, he's he's acted really Pro- well. Product of his time. Time period. That's all I'm blaming it on. I know, but I'm still gonna call I know, it out. Product of its time. Um, that's all I gotta say about it. Still gonna call it the fuck out. Um, but I think that the thing I like the most about Bill Jenkins' performance as Yuki is that it is... It's not like bombastic and loud to draw your attention. It's the absolute command of a man who can walk into the room and look at you and you're immediately at attention. And the way that you carry that voice with the elegance and charm that a man like Yuki does is insane. Like, even when he's out, like, there's like one part where I think you get to hear him sound like a normal human being and that's in episode like one or two. Yeah, where he's in, in, in the, um... Getting getting it on with the geisha time, getting getting it down with geisha, geisha time, geisha time. But um, anyway, uh, I think that she he did a really good job, and that you guys already kind of covered my points for me. So yeah, I um, I find it kind of interesting that Bill Jenkins is basically acting as somebody who is basically constantly an actor, like. Like, there's something really interestingly meta about that. Because it feels like even when he's sort of the intimidating Colonel Yuki who's basically giving his men orders, it feels like that is a mask. When he's off at the bar with geishas, that feels like a mask. Like, everything he says, everything he does... It feels like it is something to take somebody's attention off of something else. Just like the fact that he wears the single white glove to hide that his other hand is a prosthetic. He wear, <laughs> he carries a cane and walks on a limp even though neither of his legs are lame. And like, I also like the fact that you can actually feel... It feels like if you were to actually sit in the room with this man... He could look at you for five seconds and break down everything you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And spell it back at you. In English, in French, in Japanese, and in Russian. Like, he is a scary dude, and I really like that Bill Jenkins plays him with this menacing charisma. And it's just... mm, It's beautiful. So beautiful. And, God, the the episodes with the Wind Agency, where he's finally delivering everything he knows and just utterly defeating Chris George. God, that, that, that whole thing was just chef kiss. It, it's just so good. So good. Bill Jenkins did a really good job. But I think we're at the point now where we should be getting into final thoughts. So, Amon, once again, why don't you close us out? This is a very strong dub, I think, for a really fun show that I'm kind of sad I didn't... Like, I only ended up watching this because um, you invited me to be on this episode. I I remember it coming out at the time, and it became kind of one of those perpetual backburner shows of, oh, that sounds interesting, I'll get to it some... Eventually. Yeah, you know, before the sun explodes, whatever. Uh, but I'm really happy I finally sat down and watched it. This is a this is a fun little show. 
Uh, it's very much in like a wheelhouse that I enjoy, and you know, it's uh, I generally feel like I don't run into that much unless I start actively looking for it, especially in anime. I feel like there aren't a lot of anime espionage shows for the most part, or if there are, they're like you know, it's, it's an aspect of something else. It's not like the focus. Uh, and I thought this had a like really strong dub to go with it. Like this is uh, the like, this is just a good tight. Good, you know, good, uh, good drama. You know, good comedy here and there because there's there's some humor in this show. Uh, just like very well acted, very well like directed and cast and written. Uh, just a nice, you know, it's a nice tight little show. This feels like something I could you know show my dad, and he would definitely enjoy this. As you know, a guy who like you know show me James Bond movies when I was you know younger and that kind of thing. Um, it's just a good, it's just a good solid show and a good solid dub on top of that. Like I really enjoyed listening to it and you know i think everyone especially because like this ended up being a little bit of a proving ground for a lot of what's now kind of the bigger funimation talent that wasn't as well known at the time uh you know it's just it's a fun it's fun to listen to this that's really good and props all around to all of you yeah awesome uh step um i think going with the whole espionage spy thing I think for me, the best way to describe my final thoughts on this dub is it's a sleeper hit. That makes sense. It flies completely under the radar. Like, I'm kind of sad that n not many people really probably know about the show. Because um, I think it's a good show um, for what it is. And for, like I'm almost saying, this is a, a cast that... So most majority of the people on here are not that established right now or right at that point or they were they were well known at that point um but for such a vast casting pool that they had here it with a vast talent I should probably say that's better words to say it it's it's very fun it's f fun in terms of dramatics it's there's a lot of aspects to it. It's dramatic. It's very... Oh, God. It's hard to describe the show. It's, um... There's... Ugh, I'm having a hard time putting my thoughts in the words. Sexy? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm not trying to dunk on you. I legitimately mean that. Well, sorry, I'm used to you dunking on me, all right? <laughs> I love you, but you're. I'm used to dunking on you. Look, I have some. I have some tact. You're right. You you do. Um, in all honesty, yeah. It it actually. I won't front now that you say that. It's like. It's very. It can be sexy at times. Um. Like, it capture. I think it at least does what it should in order to capture. Like, espionage in general. Like, because there's probably a lot of facets to being a spy that obviously we wouldn't know about because nobody would fucking tell us. Or else the spy who tells, tells us would probably be fucking dead. Um, and frankly, would you ever trust me to be a spy, people? <laughs> <laughs> Do we really want to trust Megan with all of our national secrets? Come on now. Um, no, it's it's smart. It's... It, it's smart it is sexy it's very dr dr dramatically driven it's it's a very solid show and with a very solid cast 
I'm just very sad that this one kind of just flew under the radar. Um, it's probably, it's not going to be, the show itself in general is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, I mean, for sure. Um, but for those who really like the more, it is a very intellectual show, let's put it this way too. Who like intellectual shows, who like some bits of action, um, but more of like a battle of wits than anything. Like, you're gonna like this show a lot, and I think the cast, the dub itself is really solid for what we have and for what it is. Um, I'm just kind of sad we don't have any more adventures. It would be kind of fun. But yeah, I think it's a very solid dub overall. I think the dub is a really solid ensemble show. It's a show that, it's a dub that is made great, not by individual standout performances, but the sum of its acting, writing, and direction as a whole. I agree that this show 100% completely flew under a lot of people's radars dub-wise because it's not a show that I think a lot of appeals to a lot of people. A lot of people don't like episodic stuff, a lot of people don't like slow burn stuff, and a lot of people don't like overtly political stuff. Um, so it's kind of kneecapping itself to a lot of anime fans, but if you, you sit and watch it, you will watch a very enjoyable dub, even if you don't 100% like the entirety of the show. Um, I think that it's got a lot of really solid uh, performances by actors who everyone's like, oh, this person's brand new, and then you sit and you watch dubs like, no, 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 they're not. Sit down, Johnny. Um, this person's been in a lot of stuff, it's just you're, you haven't watched the stuff, so don't call them new, because you haven't seen it yet. Um, that being said, I, I genuinely did enjoy the dub and I do I do like the show minus Yuki's kind of shit at the end but what's a bitch gonna do um besides you know burn the entire establishment down <laughs> down with the patriarchy but uh but no I, I genuinely like the show and um I don't know if this is a show I'd purchase just because I, I did have a lot of problems with the ending but hey at least this is a dub that Crunchyroll actually put up on its site like they said they were Yay! I bought it, like, a while ago, so I'm good. <laughs> By the way, can you tell that I'm really bitter about how Crunchyroll's handling their dubs? No. No. You're so subtle about it. Can we go ahead, Roots? Alright. Um, I think Joker Game was one of those shows that I ended up watching as it was airing back, you know, April of 2016. It was, a, it was a really fun show. I was kind of bummed it wasn't going to get a dub. And then, lo and behold, partnership happened and got a dub. It is a very competent dub. It is a very... It's very dry. And it may not be something that is to the taste of the general anime-going public. But it is... You know, in that same vein as, like, Ping Pong, the animation, and Akka. It's one of those things that I'm just kind of glad they did for the sake of doing. Because, you know, it, it is a show that Funimation could have very easily just put out sub-only. And, you know, I'd have been fine with it. I'd have probably bought it. But, you know, that the fact that they took the extra mile to not only give it a dub, but also give it the week-to-week -week format that, you know, they gave their simul dubs and 
and it was one of those things where they were kind of experimenting with like older older shows from the year because Crunchyroll happened to have them and handed them off to him. I don't know the story of how all this happened, but you know, you make a couple of general assumptions. But in any case, Double Joker game, really good, solid performances all around. But really, its strongest point is it is stronger than the sum of its parts. It is... Yeah, absolutely. It is very strong direction and writing, very strong acting, and it comes together in a way that just feels organic and natural. So, I give this... I give the dub a very high recommendation, but, you know, I understand it may not be your thing. And that's okay. But if you are interested in checking out the dub of Joker game... Uh, it is currently available via Crunchyroll uh, <clears throat> in its entirety. It was available on Funimation for a time, but not anymore. Um, you can get a monthly subscription for Crunchyroll for about $7 a month. Uh, there is also a free trial. I believe it's it's two weeks still, right? I believe so. Last I knew. Yeah, two-week free trial. If it's not your thing, just make sure you, you know, cancel it. And, you know, take care of that before it actually takes money off your card. <laughs> but, um, you can also find Joker Game available wherever you get anime via Blu-ray. Unfortunately, the Blu-ray DVD combo pack looks like it's just about out of print. But there is a standalone Blu-ray version that is basically under Funimation's Essentials label. Uh, you can find that on Amazon and Right Stuff for a hair above 20 bucks. So it's it's not a bad deal if you want to just blind buy and check it out. But, you know, you do you. Uh, and I believe that basically wraps things up for us today. Whew. That was a bit of a weightier episode than I thought it would be. There was, There's a lot going on to it. Hmm. Uh, I need to go punch Richard Epcard, pulsing Peter into darkness. Oh mm. my god. <laughs> <laughs> looks, like those ra looks like those rascally Kingdom Hearts boys are at it again. <laughs> <laughs> I already sent Ben Diskins back to the past. Whoops. <laughs> Uh, so if you'd like, if you like us and want to check out more of what we do, why don't you run away now? <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a drink, damn it! You're here forever. Uh, why don't you like scroll down to the subscribe button, or if this isn't in bed somewhere, hit the little YouTube button to open up the main page, and hit the subscribe button and ring the little bell icon. It it really helps us, and you can find us on Twitter. Tumblr and Instagram uh, via Dub Talk Podcast. We also have a Twitch page of the same name that we're looking at stuff to collecting dots on. <laughs> that we're looking to do stuff with. I mean, yep. AB's coming up, so we'll, we'll see what we I can come up with. I can't imagine we're not going to do something of the like for it. We'll see. But um, yeah, is that about is that about it for like group plugging? I think so. All right. Yeah, I mean, they know who we are already. We don't need to plug ourselves. I think we're good. 
Happy birthday, Roots! Right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. But wait a minute. If, we, if we're not going to introduce ourselves or and stuff we do, I'm on. We still need a Dusty song. Oh, for, oh. Make it a good one for Roots' birthday. Oh, what have I got? Is there a song about dead hookers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there probably is. I don't know what it is off the top of my no, head. But yeah. Hold on, hold on. Can I say one thing? Sure. I, I text... <laughs> I texted um Andrew that we were dunking on him earlier on in this episode. He got, I told him that about the um the the stripper and the birthday cake. He got a laugh out of it. It was great. Sorry, I had to. I mean, to be fair, we never put the deposit on his card. We put the deposit on Harley's. <laughs> God damn it! Oh. Uh, anyway, dusty old song, go. Alright, so before I give my actual recommendation, I'm giving a sub-recommendation, which is that upon watching the opening for the show, which is a very stylish sort of James Bond-esque opening with a lot of, uh, you know, playing card imagery because Joker game, the immediate thing that came to mind was, like, hey, this reminds me of the actual James Bond opening with a lot of card imagery. Ha! Uh, from Casino Royale, which features a very good Chris Cornell song that I think a lot of people slept on at the time. Uh, so go, go, go. Is that agreement or no? No, that is a very much an agreement. That is a really good James Bond opening. So, uh, in addition to what I'm about to recommend, go listen to You Know My Name again, because Chris Cornell deserved better, goddammit. Uh, but my actual recommendation, uh, because this is a game much about uh, sort of life, and sort of the game of life in a certain way, I would recommend, because I'm a huge nerd, I'm not just going to recommend a song. I'm going to give you a whole album. You should check out The Turn of a Friendly Card by the Alan Parsons Project. Because I'm the guy who likes the band by Pink Floyd's former engineer. That's the kind of person I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we love you all the same. Yes. Alan Parsons. Yeah, no, that's a good album. Go check that out. Mm. So from us, Stub Talk, to you, we would like to wish you all a good evening. And otaku on there, Dabbers. Happy birthday! Roots! Good night. E. E. I love you. Happy birthday, cutie. Now I get to stop counting birthdays by their actual number and their an and now by the anniversary of my 29th. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm old! <laughs> Please don't. Don't sir me, child. I'm dead, not old. You're, you're, Are we good? Your old, your old roots. I couldn't tell by your Jack Betty reference. <laughs> Are we good? Uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. We've got a cake full of hooker if anybody wants it. Oh.